0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, it's time for the Negative Positives
1: Podcast, coming to you live out of the Gutterman Cave in beautiful Louisville, Kentucky. And now, here are your hosts, Andre Dominguez and Mike Gutterman. Hello and welcome to the Negative Positives Podcast, episode number 208. I'm your host, Mike Gutterman, coming to you from the Gutterman Cave here in Louisville, Kentucky. And it is a Sunday night, so that means we have a guest, and we obviously have everyone's favorite co-captain of the podcast, Mr. Andre Dominguez, all the way out in Los Angeles, the City of Angels. How are you tonight, Andre?
2: Doing very well, Mike. Really excited for uh, today's conversation with our guest.
1: I'm sure you are, because right? on this episode, uh, we have someone that Andre is uh, probably in cahoots about trying to turn this into a watch podcast <laughs> episode, because it's one of his watch nerd buddies. So, uh, so, <laughs> so, without further ado, uh, that would be Mister Mister Nick Bull, all the way up in uh, in Maine. So, uh, how are you doing what tonight, are? Nick?
0: Doing pretty well. Doing pretty well. I had some good laughs so far. So, I think we're ready to have a good time. <laughs>
1: well, well, this uh, this whole debacle of uh, starting this recording started out with me spilling a beer all over my computer and mouse. So uh, we'll see if uh, I get electrocuted. in at some point during this uh, this uh, this broadcast here, but uh, <laughs> but uh, I'm more I'm actually more worried about the fact that I spilled a beer than my mouse. But uh, so but uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah. So uh, and Nick, uh, I'm I'm guessing I, I pronounced your name correctly, right? Bull. I said it properly, right?
0: Yes. So yeah, yeah, Nick Bull.
1: <laughs> uh, apparently, yeah. apparently yeah. i don't see where i'm saying it wrong but you all keep saying. It. Wow. But,
0: uh, i think it's just the the tennessee in yeah I don't, I don't say oh i'm oh, sorry what, Kentucky.
1: <laughs> oh man Love. that's that, them we fighting words right there
0: we were talking <laughs> about <laughs> jack white sorry my brain just.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's fighting words man that's rivalry stuff right there so uh but, <laughs> but uh, uh okay but um and, yeah, that's like, you know, because Tennessee, it's they got that nasty old Jack Daniels, and we've got actual good bourbon. <laughs> so, yeah.
2: I will tend to support <laughs> you on that one. Very valid point.
1: <laughs> well, Nick, uh, I guess the first thing we want to do is uh, have you kind of introduce yourself to the listeners and how you got into photography. A little bit about that, if you could.
0: Yeah, sure. Well, I'm, I live in Maine, in southern Maine right now. I'm machinist for the past decade. And uh, when I was a kid... Um, I just like to take pictures with anybody's like random point and shoot. And sometimes if I was super good, or I went away to summer camp, they'd give me like a disposable camera. And I loved it. And so as I got a little bit older, one of my relatives enrolled me uh, in a summer program through a local university and I could choose like different things I was interested in. And really the only thing that stuck out to me was like a photography course where you could go up and learn how to use a dark room and stuff. And so I was, I think I was in sixth grade and I did that. And, uh, one of my best friends, his mother gave me a Pentax K1000. Yes. And, uh, (laughs) I shot all kinds of pictures with that thing for the next, I don't know, 15 years mm-hmm. and um, just fell in love with it. Like I was the nerdy kid in junior high who uh, did the photography club thing and took pictures at sports games because I was terrible at anything regarding sports. <laughs> no, <laughs> me too. I blew, out
1: a, I blew out a knee in like every every sport I ever attempted. So like even before even before we even got to a game, my knee was out so out, out for the season. So I gave yeah. up on that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I was just an awkward Clumsy kid who fell over himself, I guess, and uh, so, and you got to take pictures of like cheerleaders and stuff, and for a junior high boy, you were like, "Sign me up <laughs> 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 And uh we did that, and then I kind of uh just kept taking pictures for a long time, and I dropped the camera one day when I was in college and broke it, and um all my life, I've always just like taken things apart and tried to put them back together. And so I tried to, to put that camera back together, and found there were some broken parts in it. And I was like, oh, well, this one's done." Um, but it started like open that world of, "Oh, I can fix things." Mm. And then um, I had at this around the same time started getting into mechanical watches too, like I old pocket that. watches and stuff. And, Here we go, um, folks. <laughs> and I, had, I had learned how to like kind of disassemble and take notes because this was before you got like. Uh, digital cameras that were super easy to use so um started taking notes and and just how to put things back together and then when i switched back to cameras again i was like holy cow this is cake like it's 10 million times bigger <laughs> so all uh, well, the springs just, and gears are visible with the naked eye without a loop yeah exactly and uh so I've been doing that and that's as much of my passion as taking photos is like some of the old mechanical cameras I just love and like digging into them and being like, holy crap, like they came up with these designs when they were just using paper and pen to figure out some of the different um, ways that things would interact to get different Mm -hmm. shutter speeds and just and like get different time delays and stuff. So it was just it was just something that was incredible to me.
2: Oh yeah! Wow. No AutoCAD and CNC yeah, no. and 3D no. printing. I mean, I'm I'm amazed. The, the only kind of uh, stuff that I've successfully been able to sort of repair without completely destroying the <laughs> camera is uh, the little like Kodak uh, Hawkeye Brownies. Just kind of looking at how that rotary shutter mechanism yep. works, and I'm already fascinated about that. And I've bricked enough. Uh, you know, I've sent enough. <laughs> Semi broken like Pentax cameras to their grave, working at, at Southeastern Camera. Yeah, that, know. Uh, <laughs> you know my, but my conscience is clear.
0: <laughs> they regal bless, I mean, damn you or something like that. I guess. <laughs> 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 well, but, you should
1: you should feel guilty for sending uh, Pentaxes to the grave, Andre. How yeah. dare? You?
2: But, uh, uh, they how- were already limping. I put them out of their misery. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh wow! So. Yeah. Uh, so I mean do you consider yourself like pretty good at camera repair is it or are you i mean at this point are you, you feel pretty confident with like mostly mechanical cameras at repairing them or do you just yeah. kind of go in and just see what happens
0: <laughs> uh yeah, depending on what it is like a lot of them have broken parts so if mm-hmm. I run into that that's usually where it like stops for me because I don't have a lot of good sources to get like some of the replacements mm-hmm. um, for them at which like some people do so I've sent um like i had a yashika links which has a really i am- mean it's a little rangefinder well not a little it's a big rangefinder <laughs> that has a fixed 1.4 lens in it and it takes amazing photos but the viewfinder was just bad it had started to flake off and so mm-hmm. i couldn't adjust it properly so i st- sent out to uh ham in georgia which he used to work in the yashika factory and he oh, wow. bought up he bought up a lot of their old uh, supply, so that he can replace parts when he works on cameras. So, like stuff like that. Like I sent that camera to him and said, "Hey, could you fix the the glass and the viewfinder, uh, rangefinder?" Um, uh, because I can't do that. Obviously, I don't have another one to do that with. So that's where you run into more of the problems. Really, is because there's not things very accessible anymore because they haven't mm-hmm. made these for. I don't know forty, fifty years, so right?
1: Do you find yourself kind of collecting uh otherwise broken uh cameras that people don't know what to do mm-hmm. with just to possibly have a stockpile of parts or have you yes, ever thought about? Yeah, I do
0: for sure. Um, yeah. I have a box started now with just like basket cases that are not usable mm. Excuse me, but I can use parts from them now um which is fine like now i have a little bit of stuff so i can be like oh okay if i run into this camera again i could probably fix the next one mm-hmm. so
1: as far as like me- as far as like mechanical cameras when you get when you get into them i mean i know there's every company probably had their way of, of doing things and building the cameras but do you kind of find that there's like a similarity between the brands even uh, even even between different brands about the kind of the general design of like these mechanical cameras
0: uh not really. A lot really? of them are very drastically different between, even between the same models. Like the Canon, Canonette, um, throughout the different models of that, they're like quite drastically different in the way that they are constructed. Certain aspects of them, like some of their shutters are similar and some of the different things, but a lot of the in the complete picture is quite a bit different. So you're like, oh, geez, this is interesting. Let's take some notes. There's some weird placement here.
1: Right, right. Yeah. Do you- do you also like uh, what, what I would have to do, which I mean, I don't have the I don't have the, the guts to, to try to open up a camera because I know what will happen. But if you, do you ever like take photos as you're going along to kind of remember? Oh, uh, yes. Yes. Yeah.
0: I have a I have Google Drive set up with my old college email address because it was uh-huh. cool. back when they used to offer unlimited storage. So I have a Google Drive with unlimited storage which is awesome. I don't know how I lucked out <laughs> to have that, but so I just store all kinds of like pictures of different things I've taken apart now so yeah. that I have them and be like, okay, this is how it's supposed to look, Nick. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's awesome, man. That, that's uh that's really cool. It's kind of nice to have someone in the uh negative positives community that knows this crap, right, Andre? Yeah,
2: if you ever have <laughs> any questions about like, oh, my camera's, you know, not working, ask Nick.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, there's a lot of, like, stuff you can test out yourself, too, with a lot of things where mm-hmm. some of them are just gummed up because they sat a while. It's like Mark on the uh, film photography podcast where he's like, "I ah, just hit it around a bit. <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> it'll loosen some of that stuff up and... It'll work again. Yeah. Or What was this thing that I heard a long time ago? I think it
2: might have been on on Sunny 16 where somebody was saying, like, put it in the oven at, like, a, a oh, low, low temperature do to kind of do heat up
0: the oils. <laughs> so so I'm, I'm a rather forgetful person. I've tried that before. And it, I came back to a melted mess, and I was like, <laughs> 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 Oh, man!" <laughs> yeah, stick your '80s plastic
2: point-and-shoot right in the oven.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, and the other, like the other magic potion, apparently is like the like the Zippo lighter fluid type stuff, right? And that kind of like yeah. another
0: uh, lighter yeah. fluid does work pretty good, like um to loosen up some of the like stuck shutters or apertures that have gummed up. Mm-hmm. Um, which sometimes it's only a temporary fix because okay. usually why they're gummed up is because somebody was trying to get them to work again and they just put oil on it, which you uh-huh. shouldn't do. And um, so now all the oil's gummed up. So it might work intermittently when you do that, but usually you have to take the whole thing apart and clean it off by hand. Uh, no, but sometimes you get. You get, sometimes you get lucky, though. Sometimes they're just stuck and people haven't oiled them. They're just stuck and that'll loosen it up and make it work again.
1: Huh. Okay, cool. All right. Well, um, it sounds like uh, we got uh, somebody that actually knows what they're talking about on the show here tonight, Andre. So uh, <laughs> let's step up our game. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, all right. So let's uh, at this first segment, we always like to talk about what we did this week, uh, any kind of cool stuff that had that we had happen or that we did. So we usually start with Andre on that. Andre, uh, how about your week? How was it?
2: Uh yeah, no, my week was um just, you know pretty good continuing to uh do some some customer and, and dealer support in regards to the new powder uh chemistry over at Sinistil and then on the weekend I uh, celebrated my birthday with the the Sinistil team as well as a couple of my LA based friends at my favorite barbecue place which is Barrel and Ashes in Studio City, California. Um, just fantastic uh, southern style barbecue with a whiskey list that's two pages long. Jeez. Just had a, a great, great time. Uh, my my mom ordered a a cake at like this local bakery next to the office and had it like delivered in the middle of the day uh, when we were all just kind of sort of cranky. On a Friday, (laughs) you know, just a lot of a lot of things not going the way that they were supposed to, and just you know, tempers flaring and people getting hungry because you know we had sort of like pushed back uh, everybody's lunch break to to get shit done, and so it came right at the at the right time, I think. (laughs) Um, But yeah, other than that, haven't really done uh, too much photography per se um but i did manage to saturday morning as has become kind of my ritual now headed over to uh, west hollywood and, and beverly hills to hit up a couple of the uh, vintage watch shops that i Ugh. have been frequenting many of the employees of whom uh in many cases are also film shooters which is always fun to That's- talk both uh, both with
0: That's Uh, really interesting.
2: Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's surprising at all that, you know, people who have an appreciation for mechanical timepieces also really like mechanical film cameras and, you know, the tangible nature of film photography. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. Well, Andre, I, I was asking what if you had anything you did anything cool this week and then going to the watch store was not <laughs> <laughs> You
0: mean uh, that was like one of the coolest things he's ever done like <laughs> in LA. <laughs> uh,
1: perfect. Andre, anything
2: else? Nope. No, that was pretty much my week. It was a, uh, you know, busy work week and then a uh, couple a couple fun things on the weekend.
1: Well, I hope you had had a good birthday. I already gave I you did. your birthday. And thank wish. you again
2: yeah. uh, for <laughs> everybody that sent in birthday wishes on the Facebook group. I really appreciate it.
1: Awesome. Yeah, I'm gonna get you. Uh, I'm gonna get you something out in the mail here in the next week or so, or maybe sometime in the next six months. Or you'll get something. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, all right, so. Uh, Nick, how was uh, how was your week? Did you do anything cool this week? And please, t- please don't be like last week's guest, uh, Jennifer Zaner, where who did like uh, everything under the <laughs> and, and then it made, made me have to follow her. So yeah. So,
0: so I may or may not have been a completely lazy piece of shit this weekend because I just <laughs> I was very sick. So I haven't played any video games in years, really. And my cousin, uh, who I me and my cousin live together. He had Zelda Breath of, Wild, Breath of the Wild. And he'd been bugging me to play it. And I was like, well, I don't feel like doing anything. So I played that basically all the past two days. Nice. <laughs> and uh, before that, I was just working. I took some pictures uh, on my breaks at work. Because there's kind of some cool areas around. And I had picked up some cool cameras at the thrift store this week. Uh, like a couple Olympus... Oh, I'm stylist like zooms, not any of the super desirable ones, but I mean, mm-hmm. they still I, take good pictures. Oh and, yeah, and uh, and and the jewel of the of the find was a Pentax IQ Zoom Easy. So I mean, that obviously is. Oh great. yeah,
1: I mean that's that. Uh, yeah, everybody's wanting those. Those are Pentax is the king of cameras anyway. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I found
0: I found the second. So one of my favorite cameras I've ever purchased anywhere was um this really shitty point and shoot from the 80s it's called an Argus HPM2 or something like that but it's a All half right. frame it's a half frame camera oh wow so it's got a little selector inside when you put the film in so you can have it as a half frame so oh. it's fun like when i go um up north and see my family <laughs> my sister has like six kids so I'll give them that, and they'll run around the house and take a bunch of pictures. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's fun. Half That's frame cool. Is awesome. Yeah, I wish they were more common, but they're they're kind of hard to find.
1: I've never had a half frame. I've never shot it. I just feel like yeah, uh, yeah, that many shots in one roll of film. It would take me seventeen years to finish it. So yeah,
2: but. yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, that's yeah, the beauty yeah. of loading it with like just 10 frames or something. Yeah. Yeah. Well, then you have, you know, 20 shots, you know, uh, load up 12, you've got 24. Yeah. And that's exactly. perfect.
0: It's nice for like if you go for a trip, you can just bring that and like one other camera and you have more shots than you're going to take the whole time. Yeah. that's true yeah. which is awesome because i'm not like you i don't bring a ton of things when i go on a trip like I might bring, I might i'm not like you mike in. i'm actually a disciplined <laughs> film
2: photographer thank you very much well
1: i mean i, I don't get out much so when i do I go, I go all in you know just like when i went to arby's
2: <laughs> just like when i went to, when I went to
1: arby's tonight I hadn't had arby's in a long time you know went, went all in got well, the then, half pound got the half pound roast beef you know, and right. then
2: went all out
0: then you went all the way to brown town so i mean like Right. Uh, you gotta you gotta view the other side. You can't just view the half <laughs> pound. You gotta you go. Know, Where does this go? <laughs> for,
1: for every uh, every <laughs> every positive force, there's a negative force. Or so. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah uh well that 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 went that that went somewhere but uh (laughs) i went right down the toilet is where that went uh.
0: so yeah i mean so that was my that was all and i so i have way i just moved and i have way 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 too much undeveloped film Mm. and i just put it all in one place and i was like oh my gosh i have like maybe 20 something rolls of film that i haven't been able to get to yet it sounds like me so i i came to this other realization the other day that i was like man i really need to stop taking pictures and messing with cameras and like develop some film mm. and set my scanner back up so i can stay on top of that too but yeah yeah so i mean i had a little bit of photo every week i have a little bit of photography but nothing like the lady last week holy crap <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah I should, I should start screening these make sure that i'm not like, gonna follow somebody that just took on the entire film universe and uh
0: <laughs> and not not only took it on but actually accomplished uh completing making it right
1: <laughs> right didn't just give lip service to it like i normally do yeah so, uh, <laughs> yeah um but cool is that pretty much uh your week nick
0: that's pretty much my week, yeah. All
1: right, thank God you didn't you didn't climb out Everest <laughs> or anything, so yeah. Uh,
0: Just a pretty mediocre, normal. <laughs> <disappointed person. laughs>
1: but well, I'm not going to be able to top uh, top even what you did. So uh, uh, basically, all I did was um, uh, for my week is uh, I did finish. I got all the film. I had a couple of Pentax cameras. I'm looking to sell, and I had half rows of film, half finished rows of film in them. I did finish those, so my my cameras are clean and clear right now so i can start selling these things and uh the problem is now that i got the film out of the cameras I you know i'm starting to look at them i'm testing them and uh uh you know trying to make sure everything works for uh you know figure out how i'm going to try to sell them and and then as you start to play around and fiddle with them, you're like man i really like this camera and, <laughs> and, and i really like this
3: camera
1: <laughs> so it's, let um, it go i'm
2: like let it go
1: <laughs> but uh, so yeah it's been a little bit tough to kind of sit because, I mean, honestly, I don't have to sell. I've got about five or six that are on the possible selling list and probably really only need to sell maybe four or five of them. And uh, so there's probably one or two I can keep. So it's kind of a, put me in the conundrum of all right, which, which ones do I really, really want to keep. So, uh, yeah. but well, you know, and actually I might just end up selling them all. I don't I've got plenty of cameras, but it's just, yeah. uh, you know, you know, how it is you start. Yeah. You haven't picked up a camera, one of your cameras in a while. And you're like, oh, man. Now I remember why I wanted this camera so bad. It's it's pretty darn awesome. <laughs> like, but, uh, yeah, but, and then I'd uh, say, I guess last Monday, I did finally develop um, uh, some rows of black and white. I developed three rows, and uh, the uh, uh, two of them came out perfect. The last one, I was in a big hurry, because I was trying to get it done. And because uh, it was getting kind of late, and I wanted to get down to the the gutter band cave and play some music last Monday night, so it was getting kind of late. I was like, man, I got to hurry. got just one more row. I got to get one more. I got all the chemicals out. I don't want to put them all away and just have this one row to develop. So I rushed through it and uh, totally botched it. Botched it bad. And uh, yeah. so uh, and you know it was a stupid mistake. And uh, but and I'm actually going to save that for uh, the the. the the whole story of my debacle on, for my solo show this week. <laughs> I don't want to address it. And, uh, but uh, yeah, because I mean, honestly, you know, no matter how many times you've done this, how many hundreds mm-hmm. of rows you've developed, uh, you know, a, 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 sometimes you still just uh, either you get cocky or get in a, in a rush and you make oh, a yeah. mistake like I did. So it happens. Dude, you know?
2: I ruined a roll of Ektachrome this week and I oh. felt horrible. Yeah,
1: that's, <clears throat> yeah, this was a roll of Tri-X and uh, I couldn't remember what it was that was on the road so and that's probably good because uh <laughs>
3: uh
1: you know I, I well at least i know it wasn't anything like crazy important it wasn't like shots that was going to change the photographic world or anything but uh <laughs> but the uh uh, but you know, but now it does kind of bug me that I, I don't know what I, what, what was on, what I missed, you know, like just, I'm glad I don't know because I'm sure that's not anything that I really needed. It would like, you know, precious family moments or anything, but I'm also like, man, what was on that row? You know, like, <laughs> like, so that's going to kind of eat at me a little bit. And it was the negatives had just a little bit of information on it. I tried to scan them just to see if I could pick anything out of the frame and, uh, Ah, uh, so I could just see what 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 shot, what basically what shooting experience I ruined, basically. But I, I couldn't make anything out. So, but yeah. but the other two rows came out great. It was a uh, uh, my fog, uh, a lot of my fog pictures that I took with uh, some. Yeah, really,
2: they came out super well. Yeah. I was like kind of mesmerized by them.
1: Oh, thank you, thank you. Yeah, I was very happy with where those came out, and I just had a blast shooting that day. It was one of the first yeah. days I'd been out shooting in a long time too, so it was very. Uh, just kind of got me re-energized into photography, and then to, and then to have the results come out uh, yeah. uh, pretty decent, it made me uh, just really kind of got me energized to go back out and shoot some more. So, but um, but yeah, it was pretty much uh, pretty much my week, and uh, uh, now I gotta sit here and figure out which one of these. I'm actually surrounded by Pentax bodies right now, so <laughs> 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 and I'm looking which at them one? as I'm talking. I'm like, yeah. Ooh, man, which ones? Which one of you guys are gonna, gonna stay in the gutterman estate? But uh, but we'll see. Um,
0: know, what is- what ones are you trying to sell?
1: Like, what
0: oh. what do you have to choose from there?
1: Uh, I have two ME supers and ME and MX. Um, oh. Yeah, uh, what else here? That's those are the those are the ones that are the main ones that are up uh, right now. Two ME supers, ME MX. I feel like there's another one I'm I'm forgetting about. Um,
2: yeah. Your yeah. six four five non N.
1: No, I've already sold that. Sold oh, that. Okay. to Kevin Dillon. Yeah, and right. Uh, right. So yeah, and uh, I think that might be all the ones that are up right now. But the the, the toughest one is the MX because yeah, I can probably
0: man oh yeah. man I I would have a hard time giving that one up.
1: Yeah, and really it's, and this one's black, and I've got the oh. you know I've got the power winder for it, and oh. yeah yeah it's 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 looking at me right now, and it's and it's mocking me, and uh, it it knows it knows it's it's <laughs> it's kind of giving me an asshole look right now, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway all right so uh, i think we're gonna that's pretty much our week so i think uh we're gonna take a little break here and uh come back and probably uh, address some questions to nick from the facebook group so uh we will be right back after this break folks Right, folks we're back from the break and of course uh, anytime we have a guest on the show we usually put a little thread up on the facebook group uh, for members of the facebook group to ask our guest or ask our guest <laughs> <laughs> ask our guest a uh uh any questions they may want to uh, want to have for them so we propose that out on the uh, facebook group this week t- uh, for questions to mr nick bull for, from the facebook group and uh so andre what what do we have as far as questions uh, tonight what's the first one
2: so, a uh, recent guest, um, on the podcast, Mr. Matt Jones out of Thailand asks, uh, Nick Bull, do you make any cool contraptions for your photography?
0: Well, I mean, I don't, they're not overly complicated or cool. Um, I've had some cameras, like some of my Russian, I like Zorkis a lot, which are just a, like a copy. I know, shun me, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> but, um, they have a different uh thread on the bottom of them so you can't mount them to tripods unless you make an adapter or buy an adapter and i used to work at a machine shop where i had like manual machines open to me to use so i made adapters i made some lens hoods uh i'm trying to remember what i've made i made a uh i used to do wedding photography and videography with my brother-in-law and my sister Mm. and uh we made some uh well i made some gimbal attachments where some of them that <laughs> they got were just really shitty made out of plastic and broke after like one use so <laughs> <laughs> just milled them out of something that wouldn't break after one use so i've done some stuff like that but i i'm just lucky now where i work i don't have access to manual machines anymore so right i just need to break down and buy one at auction or something put down in the garage <laughs> have you considered getting like a 3d
2: printer i mean the what? i can't remember his name i think it's ethan over at cameradactal is just making some awesome stuff and every time that i log into thingiverse just kind of just to see what's what's going on i put in you know photography or or film photography you just see all the interesting things people accessories and stuff that people yeah.
0: make I've I've strongly considered it honestly. The past like couple years of my life have been a little bit uh tumultuous. I guess i just haven't had time or ability to do things that I've wanted to. Um so I don't know in the future I probably I've thought about it more recently and maybe next winter I might think about doing something like that just because I have a lot of um cad and cam experience which well i don't think you'd need cam experience i guess for that but i have a lot of 3d design cad experience to be able to draw out some of that stuff to print exactly so, yeah so cool. actually, uh, actually look
2: out folks for some some nick bull uh 3d printed photographic accessories
1: yeah, I, well, Nick, you've done more than I have because about the only gadget I've tried to make photography wise was my really half assed attempt at making a homemade Gorilla Pod, <laughs> 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 which came out awful. <laughs> it, it, it didn't work whatsoever. Like every time you put the camera on it, uh, the little elastic legs I was trying to use would just be <laughs> and just kind of slowly sink, <laughs> and that's that's with the Hoga pinhole on it. It's not like I was oh, putting geez. like a. <laughs> so yeah that was not a not not a success and uh and and it also looked ridiculous so uh, it's still sitting in this garage somewhere i should really throw it away before somebody finds it because <laughs> it looks to be conceived as maybe a sex toy or something i
2: don't know <laughs> weird <laughs> tentacle looking things <laughs> Uh, some
1: kind of strange personal massager
0: I like, <laughs> Maybe I should
2: kickstart
1: that shit I don't know hey,
0: There's some really weird people in this world so. Everybody uh-huh. needs a market uh,
2: yeah. Anywho, next question uh, uh, This one comes from Vicky and Bill Thu Saying, hi Nick uh, Are you more a camera collector Or more a photographer uh, what is your dream camera? And do you have photographic goals? So that's kind of a three in one. Uh, let me know if you need yeah. me to repeat that.
0: Okay, so I would say original, like I'm more of a photographer. I like cameras and I like having them, but I don't like to collect a lot of stupid shit that I'm not going to use and just put it on a shelf somewhere. Um, so, and I like like actual photographs a lot more than i like cameras so i mean i would i would say photography is much more about the art rather than the object behind it and um my dream camera oh like it's always uh, a hard one (laughs) that's a really hard one because i have several several different trails of reasons why i want it like this camera or whatever. Um, I really would like to have a good portable 4x5 mm-hmm. and delve into that world. Um, I've used an 8x10 before uh, that somebody let me use, and it was so much fun. Um, I had a dark room open to me at the time, so I would go in there, develop the film, make some prints from like this ridiculously huge piece of film, which, I mean... I don't have space to have an enlarger that big. I don't have a room that <laughs> just set up for an 8x10 enlarger. So. Um, but I really think a 4x5, you could it could be doable. You could do just direct transfers, I suppose. And uh, it's still portable, so you don't have to be like Matt Mirage and <laughs> bring two backpacks and a rolling suitcase or something. <laughs> well, have you seen the, the Cameradactyl OG?
2: I haven't. So it's, uh, uh, if you were ever familiar with the, um, uh, what was it called, the Travel Wide, which was this, um, yeah, yeah, essentially kind of point-and-shoot 4x5 camera, Uh, the guy over there at Camera Dactyl, I believe his name is Ethan, he was on the Sunny 16 podcast recently, uh, just put out a, uh, something kind of similar, so. It, it, what it essentially is, is it's a nose cone that's attached to like a 4x5 holder with like a okay. focusing helicoid that you mount the large format lens onto. okay. It has a handle that you can thread in a cable release and then some accessory shoe mounts on the top. Really looks, you know, Ooh,
0: quite interesting. So Being camera Actually, you can get it in all different colors. Different you colors want. yeah. That sounds cool, because I know the travel wide a lot of people had a really hard time with the focusing system on it, yeah. and that was one reason why I wasn't really very interested in it. I yeah. guess this one seems to be a lot a lot better okay hmm i have
1: actually had some uh emails with uh Ethan in the last couple of days i uh I was talking to him about uh his uh, somewhat controversial uh butter grips because i'm I'm still looking <laughs> to get one still you looking should. To I'm, they I'm look awesome. I'm going to get one for my Pentax Six Seven because I yeah, really perfect. want a right side grip for it. Uh, now, the grip he has for the Pentax Six Seven, he says he knows it'll fit on the old Six Seven, which is the six x seven, you know, uh, the, yeah. the old one. Right. And I have just the regular Six Seven. And I looked online, and the specs on those bodies there's a slight difference in the millimeter size of of the bodies. And so I, I reached out to him to see if he'd found out if it would if his uh, grip for the 6.7 would fit on my version of the Pentax 6.7 seven. And he said he wasn't sure he hadn't been able to try it out yet because he doesn't know anybody with one so he told me if I could get a hold of a set of uh, uh, calipers which I think I can get from my dad I think my dad has some or I can just go to Harbor Freight and pick up some or something but uh, yeah. uh that I could uh, pro- possibly do a uh, FaceTime with him and he could show me how to measure it and see uh, if it will fit the regular uh, 6.7 that I have so I think I might be uh uh Contacting him with a set of calipers in my hand and tell me him tell me how the hell I'm supposed to measure this thing and then see if yeah. I can get this uh, butter grip for my Pentax Six Seven just for the the shits and giggles of it. But, uh, yeah. but
2: well, <laughs> shits and giggles and also legitimately improve the ergonomics of the of the camera because oh, I absolutely. assume it's going to be you know screwed into the bottom tripod mount and then uh, with the grip on the right side, correct? Yes,
1: uh-huh. yeah, and, yeah. and and I I, I will. I will go ahead and get a black one. I'm, I'm not going to go crazy with the crazy colors, but. I, oh my but God. That's what I am yeah, <laughs> but uh, but yeah. So uh, hopefully, we'll find out if uh, his six by seven grip will fit on the regular six seven. So uh, uh, I might be providing a service to the community if it if it does. So,
0: uh, oh, yeah. but uh, yeah, yeah. So we'll find out. Well, but, uh, email me your uh, mailing address. You happen to know a machinist, so I have kick oh, kicking around okay okay <laughs> <laughs> i like where this is going so cool
2: yeah, i was um, gonna say also uh, as a as a watch guy if you didn't had if you didn't have <laughs> a caliper i'd be very surprised not worth anything yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> all right so uh where was we at was next uh are we still doing that question
0: oh in uh, the photographic goals that's was, oh, yeah. that the other one yeah yeah so uh my goals are to get A darkroom set up here where I live now because I have a couple enlargers. I have some lenses. uh, Thanks to an awesome guy. I don't remember his name. Goodness, I need to look him up. Uh, I got a really good deal actually from somebody on the Negative Positives uh, community who uh, sent me a couple awesome uh, lenses that I'm going to try out that should work with medium format and 35 millimeter. Hmm. And so I really want to get that set up. And then um, also, I really want to uh, do a project. His name is Bradley Keene. That was his okay, name. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. Bradley Keene. He's a really nice guy. Mm-hmm. He's actually and,
2: been helping me out with uh, some, some
0: Leica info as I prepare oh, yeah. to buy an M2. Awesome. Yeah, no, he's a super cool guy. I really, like, I'd like to meet him someday. And um, the other thing is, is my, uh, I had three cousins uh well i have like 30 something cousins because i come from an obnoxiously huge family <laughs> and um i had three cousins who were brothers that were close in age to me growing up and they were kind of like my brothers and one of them passed away in an accident this last fall oh. uh, so i've been like researching and trying to figure out what i'd like to do for like a, a photo book project for my aunt and uncle and uh some of the family on that side Um, to kind of just, and for myself too, really to work through a lot of that. Cause that was a hard time for all of us. It's not, not, uh, not an easy thing for, for somebody to lose somebody close to them, but I can't imagine being a parent, losing a child. Like I can't, I can't fathom that in my brain. Like that's, and, um, my aunt, when I was a little kid, she had lost a baby girl who was like a year old. And Mm. then later on, now they lost this son who was 30. So it's just like, it's a hard, it was really extra hard for them because of that. So that's a big goal in this year is to try to get something together for that. And, uh, so I guess that's like a, a big, a big thing. Well, that's a, that's a, that's
1: that's a hell of a good project. Yeah. So, uh, um, I can see how that would be a, a kind of a good way to, you know, somewhat, uh, kind of honor him and also kind of help people work through the, the tragedy of it all too, you know, so yeah.
2: Or even like some, some darkroom prints, uh, if you get the, the darkroom set up.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you
2: have many, you know, film, uh, shots of, of him, but,
0: uh, yeah. <laughs> so unfortunately, like a couple of years ago, I went through, well, a year and a half ago, I went through, um, a pretty awful divorce. And with that, I lost all of my photography that I'd done since I was a kid, except oh. for a couple of, like a small box of prints that I had. Um, so I lost most everything that I'd done previous to a year and a half ago. And so that was a really hard part, too, is I want to just kind of go and retrace some of the steps and some of his favorite things, because I don't really have a lot of shots of him. Right. Um. I do have in the freezer um, once I get the balls enough to do it and, <laughs> and and the courage enough to do it. I have a bunch of uh, film from my aunt that she never developed that she took when the boys were younger. Oh wow. So so that that's exciting, too. Um, but right now, I'm just really super nervous about developing it because I don't want to like fuck it up because it's not. Yeah. It's not just like it's con- not like in the case where you're like, oh, I don't remember what's on that roll. It's I know what's. Possibly on that role, and I don't want to. Yeah, cause the, the stakes are high. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah.
1: Would you think? Would you think about just uh, avoiding that uh, sort of nervousness and send it to a lab? Or, or sometimes I don't. I almost trust myself though
0: more. I, yeah, it, I mean, well, <laughs> that's that's the thing too, because it was stored in a file cabinet in my uncle's mm. office for a lot of years, and though it's an old farmhouse, it probably saw temperatures between. 55 and 75 for the past however long it sat there mm-hmm. so it wasn't really stored ideally after being shot mm-hmm. so i need to do some clip tests on maybe like one roll because a lot of it's similar film um and so do a couple clip tests and uh see what i can get and then some of it is also the most glorious aps film Yes. Uh, So (laughs) I need to get good. So I've never actually developed my APS film. I have Uh a couple that I've shot, but I've not had good luck. I tried once, and I got like one frame out of it.
1: Oh,
3: okay.
0: (laughs) So I need to get better at that.
1: Yeah, for me, it was all about finding that cheap-ass Yankee uh, tank and and kind of with the reel that I could kind of close down on the APS size sort of, and uh, that kind of opened up the world of doing it myself. But yeah, but I will admit the – I think the first row – yeah, I tried something else and it did not work at all. Oh yeah, I tried the 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 uh, the apron, the film apron type development. Yeah, did Not yeah. work whatsoever. Yeah. But uh, sp- speaking of APS, uh, I forgot to mention this in my week. Uh, little little APS revival news happened. Uh, oh. Uh, Mister Mister Johnny Sisson from uh um uh, sh- uh shoot uh, Central this? Camera Central Camera yeah <laughs> and uh, also the and Classic Lenses podcast Classic Lenses podcast. He reached out to me on the Facebook uh, on the Facebook Messenger. Uh, I think it was yesterday, and um, offered me a, a, a quite a mother load, and that's all I'm going to say at this point. But uh, I have a huge box. Oh.
3: This company. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Glory
3: hallelujah!
2: That's called taking out the trash. <laughs> he basically said uh, they have. Uh,
1: a whole shelf of this crap and, uh, they want to work for it. So, uh, he's, and then he was like, I don't and you're the only person in the world that seems to like this stuff. So, uh, I'll, I'll make you a really good deal. So, <laughs> so basically I have, uh, uh, enough APS stuff coming to equip a small army, I think, which, uh, uh, but we will, we'll see. I will, I will leave it at that until the box comes in and I'm sure I'll have a great face cast of the, the unboxing of this magnificent, magnificent, magnificence That's going to oh, go. I'm okay. sure we're
2: all on the edge of our seats, Mike.
0: <laughs> I am. I am Andre. we on the edge.
1: Oh, it's gonna be it's gonna be glorious. I'm gonna open up the box, and it's gonna be an and an angelic choir is gonna is gonna. That's yeah. Yeah, gonna, gonna be amazing. A
0: leprechaun will show up and be like, "Yeah, there's rainbow over your house." <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: So oh, yeah, I can't believe I forgot to forgot to mention that in my week, but uh, but uh, anyhow, thank you Johnny Sisson for the uh, for the for the, the heads up and and also for helping uh, empty my bank account just a tad bit. He <laughs>
3: didn't, didn't
1: empty it a whole lot because he gave me a hell of a, du- a hell of a duel. That's that's how bad they wanted to get rid of it. I think so. <laughs> but took um, <laughs> out
2: the trash and and made a buck doing it. Good job, guy. <laughs>
1: Well, the funny thing is, uh, he was going to, he was going to be including a whole lot more in that box. Uh, but then when he had to go to his manager to get approv approval on it, uh, his manager kind of cut down like, uh, half cut it down to, he kept some of the stuff and, and the reason why it's obvious the manager wants to have some APS stuff in there for when one of the cool kids walks into the the shop. <laughs> something. For him, so, yeah, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, anyway, so, uh, looking forward to getting that, but all right. So, uh. I guess uh, we're on to the next question, right?
2: Yeah. Yep. Uh, here's one from Christine Pennock, who asks, uh, Nick, you have to spend a day photographing out of your comfort zone. What area would you like to try, and which one wouldn't? One, which one would you not want to try? I'm a little bit confused in the wording, but essentially, yeah. Yeah. like you have to spend a day photographing something outside of your comfort zone.
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, I haven't really done a lot of street photography. And it makes me a little uncomfortable just, like, staring at people that I don't know, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I'd like to try some more of that. Like, I I have a really good friend who lives in Boston in Somerville, and I go and see him occasionally. So I just need to do it more often when I go see him. Mm, I'm with you on that. Uh, street
1: photography, as far as, like, photos of people I don't know or uh, just photos of strangers – I've never been really comfortable with it, and and I, I tell myself it's because I'm not really interested in it, but I wonder if it's just I'm, I'm not interested because I'm just not comfortable with yeah. <laughs> with it, you know but yeah,
0: but, uh, yeah. but Cause yeah. I like portraiture. I've done some wedding photography and videography stuff, and so you have to be very upfront and into people's faces and into like situations where it's not always the most comfortable for yourself. But um, that doesn't bother me at all because mm. what I'm doing, I know I have a goal here. I know they know what I'm doing, things like that. Whereas yeah. you're just walking by some person on the street and they're like, what the fuck's wrong with you? Like, what, <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? The, <laughs> I think do the have... busyness of the street plays a big factor in that. Yeah, like,
2: yeah, I know that when I was in North Carolina in my small little college town, it definitely was like, the fuck are you doing? <laughs> in comparison to here, you know... During the week when I'm on Hollywood Boulevard, it's just like, yeah, it's nobody even notices that you're taking a picture, or if they do, it's just like, I don't care, everybody's yeah. taking pictures.
0: Yeah.
3: Mm.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I grew up in a very remote, rural place where, like, the city had, like, 8,000 people, <laughs> and most, <laughs> most towns had a couple hundred, so... It, it's just different when you get in around a lot of people and you're like kind of sticking out. You're not just somebody walking beside them, I guess.
1: Right. My my favorite is, uh, this happened to me when I was in Finley, uh, you know, Finley, Ohio for the FPP walking workshop, I was walking the streets, taking it to the streets there. And, and uh, you know, I had several times people came up to me and they'd be like, uh, yeah, you're taking photos, huh? And like, yeah. Yeah. And Why are you taking a photo of that? I'm like, it's it's art, damn it! Can't you see? <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't really quite my answer, but that's what I was thinking, you know. But uh, can't you see my how artistic my
2: eye is? Like I don't why can't why don't you why don't you people understand me? But yeah, don't, I don't you know. see the lines and the contrast? And people are just like you're taking a picture of like a street <laughs> sign or no,
1: mostly mostly fire escapes. But uh...
2: oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> couldn't. Lest we forget how much Mike loves taking pictures of fire escapes.
0: You need need to go to Montreal. They have very beautiful fire escapes there. Uh,
1: Yeah. I think I need more fire escape pictures. Like I need a hole in my head. But uh, (laughs) (laughs) fire escapes and trees, I think I'm covered. Covered. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, all
2: right. So, uh, okay. Uh, Did we pretty much get that one done? Yep. All right. Uh, Matt Murray asks What's the one film you would shoot every day for the rest of your life?
0: HP5. Matt Murray from
1: the Matt Murray from the uh, Matt Loves Cameras uh, podcast. So, oh, yeah.
0: really? Yeah, I didn't realize that. Okay, mm-hmm. Matt Murray. Yeah, I guess. Okay, yeah. No, I uh, I really love HP Five Ilford. I really like their films a lot. I know Kodak is American. And you're supposed to like <laughs> them, and blah, blah blah blah. Whatever. I like their slide film. I like I love Ektar, but gosh, for black and white, HP Five is just what I love hmm. and it's very diverse like depending on how you develop it you can get all wildly different results and depending on how you store it um you can get wildly different results it's, it's just it's a lot of fun I love it well, you know, break, break that down a little bit what what um developers do you
2: use and, and why do you use them for for different uh applications
0: okay so m- mostly what I use is caffeinol And I love it. You just use instant coffee, vitamin C, and some washing soda. And you can get everything right at the grocery store. And um, in that, you can mix it up differently. Some people will add some sodium bicarbonate, I think it is. Oh, sodium something. Um, Sodium bicarbonate is washing soda. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You add something potassium to it. Potassium potassium bromide. Bromide, yep. And... uh, I've done that, and I didn't really notice a difference. And I was like, "Well, I don't need to spend extra money to use it." Oh, so. I noticed a huge difference. Uh, yeah, it's used to to get rid of the the base fog. So yeah, that your
2: negatives are actually you know transparent, and they're not all kind of cloudy and have this like, haze over. The so
0: I found if you just made sure you, um, you did the the proper temperature. And you agitated it properly. That I didn't and the film was stored properly. You didn't get the base fog, um, as far as I had used it. Although you can mix the the coffee to washing soda. I mean, coffee to washing soda mix a little bit and get more fog out of it. And so, if you add a little less washing soda and add extra coffee, I generally found you can get some more. Uh, defects in the photo so maybe some areas didn't expose i mean uh, develop as well and you might get some little like white or black marks where it just kind of like did some odd things and you also sometimes can get a little bit of fogging in but not in traditional ways where it takes away from the image more it'll soften some areas or or change the transition on the outer edges some uh that's what I found anyways just with the experimentation. And that was what I loved so much about caffeinol, is you can change some stuff ingredient-wise and it comes out vastly different. Whereas if you mix up some HC 110, depending mm-hmm. on the dilution, the, all that does is change the development time. Like mm-hmm. it doesn't change how it functions and interacts with the film and develops it. Um So that was one reason why I love caffeinol, is just it kind of left things open and it left it more to chance. So sometimes you get some really interesting results. Mm. And um, it also let me push stuff pretty well and still get some good results where you can just mix it up, mix it appropriately and let it sit there and you just go do whatever and come back when you remember it and (laughs) and wash it out. And you've got some pretty good negatives. And wow. that's it's a pretty good way to push it, I found. Which, plus, Mike, have it, you
2: done
1: any,
0: any no, capital?
1: No, I haven't. And I was gonna, really, I was gonna kind of was my point is I'm, I'm, I'm always, I'm not very adventurous with developers, man. I, I get, I, I get kind of freaked out about it. I want to make sure like my film comes out fine, I guess. I don't know why, but because most of my shots are shitty anyway, so I should just experiment. But like, <laughs> but the I just haven't been the type that's been very adventurous with like trying different developers. I've literally only developed with D seventy six and now HC one ten, and that's all I've done. Oh, okay, and, uh, yeah. Yep. But I'd, I'd I'd like to try. I guess the, the kind of the nice thing about caffeine all uh, exp- about you kind of doing experiments with it is I'm guessing the stuff is so cheap. You know, you could yeah. you can kind of experiment, and not you're not throwing away a ton of money. <laughs> you know, Ex- like exactly. Yeah, yeah. So I, I should try it. Yeah, I definitely should. And because uh, it'd be a fun little chemistry experiment. So yeah, I mean, why not? And you know, it's
0: and it's like honestly, I'm kind of a hippie, I guess. But I like it's better for the environment than a yeah. lot of the stuff that you have from other developers. Mm-hmm. Like so, I mean, in the long run, it's better for the earth so i mean i'm still using fixer fixer still not the best yeah. thing but it's not terrible right so if i can cut down on some of the crap that i'm using and some of the plastic i use i try to and that in some ways helps so mm-hmm. andre do you consider yourself uh, very adventurous well, i guess you kind of
1: had to have been with the whole monobath that you guys brought out and stuff you've had to kind of experiment uh, more with uh with different developers than than say I have but do you feel do you feel like you're adventurous with your your developers
2: I mean I have been in the past I you know back when I was developing at at home in my uh, little home dark room in college I used um, you know a bunch of different caffeineol recipes I used HC110 rodenol uh, at school at university we used uh, sprint chemicals and d seventy six so I've definitely you know gotten around but these mm. days you know it's it's a good kind of toss up between the d f ninety six monobath and h c one ten for pretty much anything black and white wise mm. because I'm not uh developing at home anymore I'm doing it all at the studio uh something like you know caffeinol would would be a harder sell I'd have to buy the stuff and and take it there and mix it up there and you know, figure out a place to put it, all that stuff. But I, I kind of do want to go back and and try the the recipe of the those images that I took of of my my friend in the coffee shop uh, are with the Fujifilm six by nine rangefinder yeah. that I sold to to Jake uh, Rose mm-hmm. are some of the, the the best portraits that I've ever shot. And yeah, those came out those great. Were, those were pushed to sixteen hundred in uh, CH, C H, I believe.
0: Yeah. The, yeah, I, not, go ahead i was just gonna say caffinol just gives such a good look to push film i mean i've seen some good results from rodanol as well but it's just so like toxic that i don't know i've never tried it i guess <laughs> i know a it, lot
1: of people it seems like i see more and more and more people are, are doing stand developing and, I, and that's something else I, i've never tried it either one of you guys tried that yet
0: yes
2: I have, but not like for a particular reason. You know, mm. I haven't been, been like doing it to try to get that like greater perceived edge sharpness or anything. It was just like, oh, well, I have some Rodinol and I'm busy doing laundry. So <laughs> <laughs> let's do a weak dilution and just let it sit. Yeah.
0: Um, What's I've, been your
1: experience with it, Nick?
0: I've done it with uh, caffeinol a lot, just like put it in. Let it sit there for 75, 80 minutes, 90 minutes even when I've pushed film. Um, sometimes I'll do it with for like a half an hour or 40 minutes with some stuff that um, I know I've overexposed. Mm-hmm. So it'll exhaust um, the developer quickly in the areas that are like very contrasting. And the areas that have low contrast will get longer time to to work and kind of develop more properly so you get better negatives that way
1: that's uh, what i was wondering what the what the actual you know uh, advantages i'm assuming just kind of a more balanced negative right like it's yeah. kind of the whole go yeah
0: yeah so like things that i know i may have blown out some i'll just stick in let it stay and develop uh for like 25 30 minutes and then it but with that all you do is just pour the developer in and don't touch it like you just twirl it a little bit to make sure mm-hmm. it saturates around all of it and you get the bubbles off and then just leave it and not touch it for until it's done okay. and and uh also i've done it with uh, hc 110 for like found film okay old, old film that i know is way long expired way long been shot mm-hmm. and hc 110 is really good at reducing face fog. fog yeah so mm-hmm. If you do that with a stand development with that, you can sometimes get some crazy results from negatives that have been cooked to death. (laughs) And who knows, like, how, like, I remember developing something for someone that was shot in, like, the 70s and sat in a camera in their grandmother's closet or something like that since then and never got developed. So, yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I may have, maybe I should try. I've got I've got tons
1: of HC110 because it takes forever to get through that syrup you know when you when you're doing the dilution yeah. B or whatever yeah. so maybe yeah. I should try some stand developing with HC110 just just for just See for what shits you and giggles I guess yeah yeah, yeah why yeah. not yeah and I, I do know that some people like it's like an, usually an hour I think you you do it isn't it pretty much an, I know some people like around the thirty minute mark they'll do a, a little twirl maybe because uh, there's something about what do they call it like uh, some kind of bro, drag my drag yeah
0: my drag, yeah, yeah, bro, my drag. um. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you can do that. Yeah, I've Mm -hmm. never done that. Like, usually when I've done it, I've just, like, let it sit and not touched it. And um, I know some people will do, like, a semi stand where they'll, instead of doing it for an hour, an hour and 10 minutes, they'll do it for, like, 35 minutes and do a twist, like, every one. They'll do it, like, one minute, five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, and then, Mm -hmm. like, 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. and do something like that. Um, I never saw the benefit in that, really. Right. Um, From what I'd seen and experienced, it it looked pretty much like negatives that you just developed regularly. Okay. Just because there was more agitation. And again, there's more new chemistry flowing into those areas of higher contrast. Uh, Makes sense, yeah. So... I don't know. I, I mean, there's probably a little bit of difference, but not as much as if you just let it sit.
1: Huh? I don't, I don't, I'll put it on my gigantic uh, now two-page to-do list of photography things I want to try. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, all right. So, um, uh, what else? Do we have any more questions, Andre?
2: We do have a few more. Um, let's see. Junior Wyatt asks, uh, what would be your dream road trip? What camera and what film would you take on said road trip?
0: Oh, goodness. (laughs) I would probably love to do something from, like, New Mexico on up into, like, Montana or something following the Rockies. Mm -hmm. And bring something, like, I'd probably love to have a a 4x5 for that. And then maybe something like a little, maybe my little APS, uh, not APS, my, my little <laughs> half yes, frame. Yes, yes, yeah, you did yeah, you your APS,
1: yeah, yeah, your APS, yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, like a little APS point and shoot or my half frame point and shoot, something like that, that you could just take like kind of more candid, like off the cuff kind of shots and then do some good landscapes and sceneries with a 4 by 5 which I would think would be incredible. And then you're in the Rocky Mountains, so how could it? And deserts and all kinds of places, and through that way. So how couldn't it be good? Right, right, yeah,
1: yeah. I've, I've always wanted to do the whole Route sixty the, the kind of you know. I guess it's a, it's a cliche, but just do as much do of the Route sixty six as I could, and just yeah. uh, any any like or like uh, I know there's a lot of supposedly like these old like ghost towns out out west yeah. stuff like that. I would love yeah.
0: to, to go to those, yeah i went to one when i was a kid um for a couple years uh, my family lived in tucson arizona uh-huh. and i can't i don't even know where it was but my father took us there and uh we went to this random ghost town it was so cool it oh, was wow. just like it was just so cool thinking that this was so old and mm-hmm. still there wow and nobody was around it was just
1: yeah crazy. that is cool And that's, that's my kind of photography. Nobody walking up to me saying, Hey, why are you taking a picture of that man?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, my buddy, Chris Visser, uh, out here in, in LA is doing a, a project. It's not necessarily on, on ghost towns per se, but he is, uh, going, you know, not, not every weekend, but trying to go out as much as possible. Just driving out to some of these smaller towns in, in rural California and, Take some like kind of classic Americana-looking uh, pictures yeah. of of these like small towns and you know gas stations and kind of like rundown hotels and stuff like that on his uh, Hasselblad with um, I believe Ektar,
1: mm.
2: and they're already looking super super cool. Oh, that's, that's
0: awesome. Cool.
1: Yeah, that's my kind of stuff right there, yeah. Uh, that's one thing I liked about that little Florida beach town we go to every year, uh, Mexico Beach or down there. They had so many old hotels and old, you know, just it looked like a lot of the town looked like it was kind of stuck back in the 1950s. And, uh, of wow. course, uh, that's all gone now. But, uh, yeah. but yeah, it's uh, I'm afraid. I know they're in the process of rebuilding, which my wife and I have been – paying a whole lot of attention to but i can't imagine it's gonna look anything near like what it you know it's not gonna have that old school flavor that it had you know so uh I guess I'm, I'm glad i took the photos that i did i wish i'd taken more though truthfully now so you can yeah. you, you, you never take too many photos folks like you, yeah. you know, no one no one ever says man i wish i wouldn't have taken 10 rows of film i wish i would only taken five you know like no one ever says that so <laughs> but um yeah all right andre what about you what would you do a, a road trip of
2: I really want to kind of visit the the Pacific Northwest, you know, like, go on a, on a trip, you know, along the, the Pacific Coast Highway up here in California, up into, you know, Oregon and Washington State. It's a region of the U.S. that I, I don't know at all, really. I mean, I don't really know that, like, Route 66 area either, mm-hmm. um, but I don't know. Part Part of me is more drawn to kind of driving along the the coast than in m- more kind of the center of the of the country. Yeah.
1: Yeah, makes sense, makes sense. Uh, yeah, God, I'd
2: ideally I sh- just want to bring, you know, like uh, a Leica range finder for my, you know, quick little... 35 millimeter photography and then my Roloflex for you know cool portraits of, of the people that I meet along the way so like some close up portraits probably with the, the close up lens with the Roloflex yeah. and then just my my general kind of travel photography with the Leica M2 that will be replacing my M6 and my M3 in the not too distant future
1: yeah I'd probably just take like I don't know 10-15 cameras and uh <laughs> 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 but
3: uh like
2: i'm sitting in the herd so much that i really don't have a whole lot anymore. <laughs> it's not that much to choose from
1: well i've got a i got a whole nother box of uh of goodies coming that uh i could take on my route 66 trip just saying
2: are they all <laughs> aps cameras uh, well, we'll see we'll see <laughs> what we got going on <laughs> wait for the face cast
1: that's right that's right i guess see i gotta i gotta gotta kind of get some excitement about these face casts you know so uh yeah so make sure people tune in it's not just me sitting here drinking a beer in front of the camera the entire time sometimes i actually have some me cool <laughs> <laughs> all right so uh what, what we got next
2: uh last uh question for this section comes from miss sherry christensen who says uh, i notice you repair a few cameras do you plan on following that path most of us are using old gear that is going to need maintenance at some point. Any thoughts on offering uh, repairs or DIY repairs?
0: Oh, well, I mean, that's what I like to do is work on them. So I'll, I'll definitely be working on cameras for as long as I can. And thoughts on DIY? So one thing that I do run into quite a lot is people breaking cameras trying to repair them. <laughs> so now of us have have done a, that like, right, Mike. <laughs> like, like, I
1: don't know. Uh, um Yashiga Electro 35. I don't know, maybe. I don't know.
0: <laughs> so I think as the as cameras start disappearing, that might start to be more of an issue where people are trying to fix them and, and break them irreparably. Uh which scares me. But yeah. I mean right now we're in a golden age where you can buy a lot of stuff very cheap even though things have gone up in price you can still get a lot of stuff crazy cheap considering what all it costed then (laughs) yeah what, what it went for new like yeah geez or even just like lenses like old lenses where people will complain oh well this lens is a couple hundred bucks but look at so i come from taking wedding pictures and wedding videography stuff lenses like that are like well over like a grand or more right on and good luck making it last five years because it's all electric and it's going to wear out pretty quick and they're super fragile so i mean buying some of this old stuff is awesome but you get a lot of people who are like oh it's stuck or oh it's something and they try to take it apart and break it and then throw it away so that just mm. makes all the other ones way more expensive yeah in the long run so that's so folks, it, a little bit
1: Folks, if you break a camera trying to fix it, don't throw it away. Send it to Nick so at least have some parts. So.
0: <laughs> Keep them around. Because yeah. there's, yeah. there's going to be fewer people working on them, too. Because a lot of the dudes that I've talked to that work on cameras or I'll email and be like, OK, what do you think about this? Because I don't have any information on it. They're like, oh, yeah, try this. And uh, a lot of them are going to be disappearing soon, too, mm-hmm. which is kind of scary in, in my mind. Cause... Yeah, I'm, I know the main
1: Pentax repair guy in Tennessee. He's he's I know he's getting close to retirement, and he's kind of been the go-to guy. And like, yeah. supposedly he's been training someone to take his place, but I haven't heard any more about that. So I don't know if that actually is is going to happen. Okay. But uh, have you ever yeah. thought about like kind of being a uh, being trained by an actual person that has done this for a living, or is there anybody in your area that could kind of uh,
0: there's help you not along? there's not anybody around me that I know of. I live in, like, Portland, Maine area. Um, I haven't found anybody. I've really thought about um, emailing uh, Mark Hama and be like, hey, if I took some time in over the next few years and came down occasionally, do you think you could train me some of your stuff in your ways? Because I don't want it to just disappear. Mm. Not that I want to take business from them or anything. I just don't right. – I want to I want to g- glean some of that knowledge. So I'd be like, oh, okay, this is what this is.
1: Okay, yeah. And
0: stuff like that because um, I don't want to – that's one thing that also kind of scares me a little bit is like once we lose a lot of this stuff, like that's very hard to get back.
1: <laughs>
3: oh, yeah.
0: And, and, then, and then if it's real hard to get back, that means it's super expensive. So you have a couple people who are working on stuff round the clock. And you'd never be able to afford like normal people would never be able to afford to shoot film just because Mm. it doesn't exist for them. Right. Um, Right. So that's I know there was somebody I think I saw it earlier in the week had asked about where do you see film in 10 years or whatever? And I definitely I've seen it go like you. I'm a little I'm 35. So I I grew up with film Mm -hmm. and I grew up like that's the only option. And mm-hmm. then I saw it go in the decline, and I was one of the few people who still bought uh, instant film and still bought like the rolls of film at Walmart or wherever. Oh yeah, and yeah. go shoot it, and and saw a lot of that dry up. And
1: did you yeah. ever? Uh, there was a point actually when I when I finally uh, gave up film for a couple years. Uh, and I gave it up because I thought I think around that time Kodak had de- was declaring bankruptcy and and yeah. all this and I was like I was like it's it's done man I might as well yeah. you know I'm gonna have to swallow the pill I mean this, this film is gonna go away soon yeah. I, I better adapt you know, and um, it kind of came back to life and I didn't even know it and I, so until I found FPP I guess but yeah it was it did you feel like it was kind of over with at one point like I did or because I mean I, I am I am 35 just like
0: you so uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah well I mean you have more hair than me so you got that <laughs> <laughs> uh, but um no I honestly well that was part of the reason why I stuck with HP5 is because I saw Kodak going through bankruptcy, and I was like, I can't use their films anymore because mm. uh, they don't exist. They don't exist, and they're gonna like, what is that gonna benefit me in the long term? Like, mm-hmm. I'm not gonna be able to shoot this stuff anymore. So I shot with Fuji Color and and uh, HP5, mm-hmm. and um, then once. Kodak like restructured and they like started to fight to come back. I was like, Okay, I'm all on board. Let's get some ektar Let's get some let's get some gold four hundred back go. in my life. But then I tried the Tri X and I was just like, Oh gosh. No. Oh really? God I yeah, love Tri X. I, I just, Man, just I love don't it. like it. I like really? you know, I like um, is it T Max?
1: Yeah, T Max, yeah. T
0: Max. I like that better.
1: Really, that's uh, that's, that's, that's kind of opposite of what most people would say, yeah. But I mean, T Max is great. I, I think one problem with T Max, particularly the 100, is it's so good and so grain free, it, it almost looks like a digital photo in a way, yeah, you know. Like, yeah, it, it does kind of somewhat lack some character. I, I do like the 400 quite a bit too, though. But uh, I do I like, like the T Max, the T Max 100, I do like for Pinho, though. It seems to be a really good film for Pinho, but uh, yeah, but yeah, but.
0: Yeah. I don't know. I just, I yeah. I like the 400. It was a little grainy, but the I just don't like the t grain. I guess of the. I mean the
1: the traditional grain of, of TriX. Yeah,
0: tri yeah. I like the grain in HP5 way better. wasn't it you, Audrey, so, that that
1: you kind of did a test between the two, and you found that you didn't like the grain of Ilford? Was it you that was saying that, or
2: I? It's been a long, long time since I've done a kind of like head-to-head test, so I I can't honestly speak back to kind of. What my conclusions are, I'd be interested in doing another head-to-head uh, test in um, in HT 110 and the DF96 monobath. But uh, in general, I just like both of them. They look great in whatever format. Uh, so these days, you know, if I can get my hands on some tracks or HP5, I'll shoot it. I'll develop it and whatever. But um, yeah, yeah.
0: Although I will say I've fallen in love. I've only shot a few rolls, but I've fallen in love with Double X. The Kodak five two two two. God, that stuff is so
1: awesome. I love it.
0: Holy Mm -hmm. crap. I bought I some know. from the FPP, and I was like, oh, man, I need to stop because this stuff is too good.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I've i actually um, – I'm on, like, my last row of it from the FPP, so I have a 100-foot a of it I bought from them uh, in a bulk oh, row. Wow. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be shooting the hell out of that uh, pretty, pretty darn soon. So I, I just love that film, man. There's something about it. It's just the contrast, and yeah. it does kind of have, like – I know it's – Maybe a cliche to say, but it does have a cinematic kind of look to it. You yeah, know? it it, it looks like night. It looks like Night of the Living Dead. Like every yeah,
3: yeah, yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. But uh, one thing you were talking about, Nick, uh, when you were talking about the uh, camera repair thing. You were mentioning that you know a lot of us have seen. Uh, film uh, camera prices kind of going up in, in, in price. and 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 price and of course we're kind of we're kind of getting grouchy about it a little bit but I mean first of all it's a good sign that film photography has made a, a good rebound but second yeah. of all uh, my wife wants a wants a, D, a new DSLR. And have you priced those things lately? they they're yeah. not cheap. <laughs> I, I realize yeah. <laughs> how spoiled I am at this film gear uh, when I look at like just the price of just a a, a general kind of all purpose uh, DSLR not even not even like the top of the lines one. I mean, and, yeah. you know I'm looking I, it's been a while since I've paid that much money for one camera, so I know,
0: man. yeah, it's ridiculous. Have, so you, I, have you have you looked at the the panasonic G h series? They're decent for the money.
1: No, and honestly, like I kind of want to stay with Pentax because I've got so many lenses and stuff. Don't,
0: but. don't. Their Pentax is gr- is garbage. I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm blasphemous right now. But their digital one is not good. Yeah, yeah. I had it. It's not good. Which it's one did various. you have? I had a couple. I had the um, that first one they came out with a few years ago in like 2015 or 14. Oh, the KS one or something. I don't remember. Oh, yeah. And then they came out with another new one that was full-frame. The other one was APS. Yeah, uh, full-frame is the K1, I think. Uh, okay, yeah. the K1 is the full-frame one. I tried mm-hmm. that. It still wasn't that good. Mm, uh, wow. Really? I, so having done some wedding stuff, my sister uses Fujifilm. Uh, mm-hmm. And theirs are really good. They're kind of pricey. Yeah. Uh, but Panasonic partnered with Leica with some of their glass. So you mm-hmm. can get some of their glass for reasonable, um, okay. and that's really what was a good deal. So, like, you get an older GH4 and get a good glass with it, you can probably pay about what you would for a newer body from Panasonic or, like, Fujifilm. Mm-hmm. And they, the nice thing with Panasonic, too, is they do good video recording. Right, right. Well, I, you know, it's funny. You're going to be doing
2: plenty of, right, Mike?
1: Hey, what happens in the bedroom stays in the bedroom.
3: Uh,
0: (laughs) Oh, (laughs) TMI. Bring bring uh, up your nice tripod you made. (laughs) (laughs)
1: That's that's a personal massager, sir. but uh, yeah, we. Uh, it's funny because uh, this this sounds really bad. But well, actually, you no. Know, what I just sound. What I said. Just, just what I just said sounds really bad. <laughs> but uh, like, I, I know like the the Fuji digital cameras are, are really awesome, and I love the way they look. But man, I have a hard time giving Fuji any money. Is it just it, no, you
2: know? Like, me too. <laughs> In hindsight, I feel you like. Fujifilm was kind of what got me back into uh photography for a little while when I had a little bit of a lull in my um in my film shooting uh, i I had a what was i had an x one hundred t at one point and then I sold that and bought an x pro two and a bunch of lenses and i I really really loved this and I still do like if I were to be shooting. You know digital seriously i would go back to to fujifilm camera but i i i feel you man like i I, it's hard to kind of uh really feel good personally these days about giving money to them Uh, i even thought about one of their uh compact little point shoots to to have a sort of like a you know, a digital camera with a with a built-in flash to take out to you know dinner and and, and bars with friends as well as you know uh, taking some some watch photography. But now oh, I'm yes. kind of leaning towards the the Ricoh GR 2 and next mm. weekend I want to try to head out to uh, Sammy's camera to to try it out.
1: Mm. Yeah, because I mean, I think uh, there's one thing I will, and, you know, and this is a, a film photography show, but we all shoot some digital from time to time. It's not, it's not that dirty of a word, but, uh, but the, uh, uh, you know, unless you're going to shoot T Max 3200, which I, I, love, I love that film, <laughs> but you're definitely going to get some grain. And but there's, there's, I mean, as far as like indoor or like low light shots, I mean, there's yeah. no question that digital excels at that over film. I mean, it, it's uh, where they've come with like the high ISO shooting has just been. Um, uh, leaps and bounds kind of above what film can kind of give you in, in with you know in those situations So, uh, you know, there's a there's a right tool for the right job, right? So, you yeah. know, that's
2: uh, yeah. And I don't really tend to print that stuff all that much either, you know, if if I'm out kind of just uh, having drinks with the with the coworkers or with friends like you know, I kind of just want something that is dependable has, you know, decent enough autofocus a built-in flash uh, those photos, I'm, I'm much less likely to actually, you know, go in the darkroom and, and print. It's more just like I want to be able to just send them over text or in a group message, things like that. So I'm leaning towards potentially buying a, a digital uh, point and shoot sometime soon.
1: We'll just get you one of those digital Leicas. Uh, you'll be all right, Andre. <laughs> <laughs>
2: well, no. Here's the thing: a Leica Q would be awesome because that wonderful yeah. twenty-eight millimeter lens and it, it, it focuses super close. Uh, but they're like three and a half thousand dollars. Nope, nope, not anytime soon.
1: <laughs> well, you could sell some of those watches and I uh, and probably fund that, right? Dude,
2: I don't have watches that expensive. <laughs> We'll we'll get into that in in section three when we when we dive (laughs) a little bit deeper into that. But (laughs) so So far, my collection has been pretty modest.
1: (laughs) All right. Speaking of section three, is that all of our questions? Yep. Okay. All right. Well, we'll uh, we'll take a a little break here, folks, and we'll come back uh, for section three. And I'm gonna, I'm probably these two are chomping at the bit. I'm probably gonna have to allow a little bit of. nerdy watch talk uh, but <laughs> i'll try to i'll try to rein them in but uh so <laughs> you know if you if you don't want to hear that just uh i don't know just stop now but <laughs> 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 but, but all right so uh, we'll take a little break and we'll be right back folks All right, folks, we're back for the last segment. Uh, and uh, this is kind of I want to talk about uh, kind of some more personal questions to Nick. And uh, But the first thing I want to get to is an, I got an email uh, from Ken Bertram. And I uh, felt like this would be a good one that we could all three answer because we all have some experience with this. But uh, let's read uh, what Ken has to say. He says, Mike and Andre, uh, he wrote this in about uh, around uh, Valentine's Day. So that's what this is uh, referring to, I guess. But he says, uh, Happy National Love Day. <laughs> many, thanks, many thanks to you and Jess for my 200th prize thon, Prizepalooza Love Fest Olympus OM1N. It's hard to believe that the universe allowed me to win anything, let alone a camera. I delayed listening to the show, believing that my name would never be pulled out of your magical box, and it made my day as I was going into work. This is scientific evidence that the Negative Positives podcast is on a higher plane of existence in the world of podcasting. (laughs) (laughs) And yes, I did more than my share of mind-altering substances. (laughs) Mike, can you also discuss on the podcast how you use HC-110? What dilutions do you use if you use it for push processing? Why you like HC-110, et cetera? Thanks again, Ken. Well, thank you very much, Ken, for this uh, email. And I know Andre uses a lot of HC110, and I know that uh, that uh, Nick has as well. So we'll go ahead and try to answer that. Uh, as far as me, I, I just do use the uh, dilution B, which is kind of the standard. Uh, I think it's one to thirty-one uh, dilution, and uh, uh, what I like about it most is is the fact that you know you can it's easy to mix up as like a one tank one shot developer. So. Ah, uh, you can really uh, kind of you know get a long, long life out of that that bottle of magical syrup, and uh, so uh, yeah, it's just um, uh, really easy to mix up just a, a tank, a tank amount each time you're going to develop. Which uh, I always had problems with D76 when I used to use that. You know, mix up a whole gallon, and you know you go through some hot and heavy developing sessions, and then you, it's three months later you haven't developed anything, and then you're wondering if your developer is good. Well, HC110, you just get to mix it up fresh, you know, right there from the uh, right when you're getting ready to develop and and plus that syrup has like a shelf life of like forever pretty much so it's uh it's just a good for my type of developing and how sporadic i am with developing hc 110 seems to be a a real good solution uh, another good thing is you know I, I do have quite a good selection of some expired films a lot of films uh, left over from my early days of photography i never got to when i went to shoot digital for several years still left in my freezer so some of that stuff is quite a bit expired and uh, like I think we mentioned earlier in the episode, uh, HC-110 is very good at uh, kind of cutting through some base fog that might have uh, uh, showed up on older films. So uh, another good uh, uh, property of HC-110. And as far as push processing, I've done quite a bit of uh, you know, Tri-X at, uh, at uh, 1600, and it does really well with that. And um, also the... Uh, um, uh, even technically, when you, uh, I developed a T Max uh, 3200 uh, shot at 3200 uh, with HC 110, and and technically that's pushing that film because it's not actually a 3200 speed film. So, uh, but I usually do shoot it at 3200, and um, uh, so technically, in a, in a sense, that's push processing. And I've always liked the results of that uh, with HC 110 as well. So, uh, I do, I would like to try some, some T Max developer again, with, uh, particularly with the T Max 3200 because. I did used to use Tmax Developer a long time ago when I was first developing film, but that was when I was kind of new at it, and uh, so I don't know if I really used it as effectively as, as I probably could have uh, now that I I have so much knowledge now. But uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that's kind of my thoughts on HC110. Andre, you have anything you want to add? Uh,
2: I mean, you, you touched on a, on a lot of the reasons why a lot of people like HC-110, the, the fact that uh, it's a great one-shot developer. The shelf life and longevity is great. Um, I've mentioned it multiple times during the, the, throughout the course of over 200 episodes, but uh, always add uh, syrup to water and not the other way around. Otherwise, the syrup sticks to the bottom of whatever you're, you're mixing, and it's just a little bit harder to dissolve. Um, now that I use a, uh, a TCS in order to, you know, uh, mix up and, and heat up my chemistry, it's great because in these, uh, these cold winter, uh, California days, oh the, hell <laughs> the with water you? coming out <laughs> of my tap is, is very, uh, cold. You know, I can, I can just, you know, Pouring the the water and the and the syrup and it all mixes up and brings it up to twenty degrees Celsius, nice and quick. Um, yeah, you really can't go wrong with HC one ten.
1: I agree. I yeah. agree. Nick, Nick, what do you think about it? Have you, have
0: yeah, you I mean. Or- I've, I've used it some, mostly for stand developing for old questionable films. Mm-hmm. And I believe it was – I can't remember if it was E or H, dilution E or H I used. Both of them are, are more dilute than like – I think as it goes on, it goes like B is, has the most syrup, whereas H has the least. Okay. So therefore, the most amount of time uh, needed. Um, but there's some pe- – there, I know there's a Flickr group that I had looked at some information in, and I think all it was was like flicker.com slash groups slash HC 110 I think is what it was the web address of it was. Mm. Um, But there was a lot of information in there, but most of the reasons why people liked it was because it did so well with stand developing to wow. reduce fog. So you could really, like use like shoot film in interesting ways or you could use very expired film or old stocks and cross-process it in HC-110 and it, you'd still get a negative um, out of it. Whereas like some of those weird films that have like some weird E2 or E3 developers that aren't really made anymore
3: mm-hmm. for
0: old slide films or like some old specific films that, like, the developers just aren't available anymore. Um, people would do stuff like that, like use Rodinal or HC-110 to try to get something out of the negative so that okay. they could scan it. Right, uh, right. An,
2: an overall kind of benefit to not exclusively HC-110, but uh, just one-shot developers like HC-110 in general is that if you're ever doing something a little bit kind of out of the ordinary or like you know experimental the fact that you're not introducing anything into uh your chemistry that you're going to be uh reusing if you if you were reusing uh a developer like D76 is always something that I've enjoyed the the concept of a one shot developer to me is very attractive
1: no, that's a good point yeah. yeah yeah and i'm guessing with stand development uh with HC110 you would go with a more dilute uh uh you know uh, um um uh, i guess a, a, a like a more a more diluted uh, uh solution because uh because of being a stand development right don't yeah. you yeah yeah okay makes yeah. sense um yeah and uh, and plus uh you know really if you think about it it's it, it uses so little syrup uh, yeah. Per, it, that, yeah i mean a bottle lasts. it seems kind of expensive when it's like i don't know it was like 28 bucks for a bottle or something like that but yeah man, the bottle lasts forever <laughs> like
0: i remember yeah i remember on that flicker group there was some guy i think his name was mike and they made a special dilution for him because it was like 1 to 250 or something i think they called it dilution m for mike and <laughs> and somebody did the calculation they're like Basically, you're paying a couple pennies to develop this stuff.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah, it's, uh, and I'm also I've I'm, I'm actually wanted to try to, I mean, I don't know if I'd do it because I mean, again, it's it's not very costly when you figure how long it lasts you, but you know there are cheaper versions out there. I know that uh, um, FPP has an HC110 um, uh, copy yeah. and uh, uh, so sodas a freestyle. So there are some uh, some even cheaper, but I heard theirs are their syrup is not as syrupy, but it supposedly works the same. So,
3: okay. uh, yeah,
1: I guess uh, it would mix a little easier. But I do wonder if the shelf life would be as long as the kind of thick Kodak uh, syrup. But you know, but I, I heard that like the 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 copies of it are a little more watery. So, but the dilutions oh. are all the same. So, but
3: okay, yes. yeah,
1: it'd be kind of interesting to try though, just as a. Just as a, a fun thing, I guess. I'll, I'll put it on the list of an uh, ever growing list, it's not three pages long. So, uh. try. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, thanks, uh, Ken Bertram for the, uh, for the email. And I'm uh, glad you, uh, you liked your prize. And, um, uh, and thanks for the compliments to the, uh, the podcast. Very, uh, very humorous. I like that. Uh, but, uh, all right. So I guess, um, uh, kind of want to, uh i'm gonna open up about seven beers here to get to this next part of this recording <laughs> uh, maybe it's a bourbon uh, i don't know because uh, i'm gonna have to uh, open up the reins here a little bit and, and let these two watch nerds talk this stuff a little bit i guess i don't know i'll try to rein them <laughs> in but uh but andre do you have um, i can't imagine what this question is going to be but uh, a personal question to uh, to nick
2: Oh dude, I have so so many. First, <laughs> and to to start off, like you know, it, it's required that we do a, a wristwatch check. You know, okay. what what are you wearing today?
0: Okay, oh. so I pulled out one of my favorite watches just for this reason, actually. Um, <laughs> that is a very old uh, Vostok Amphibia case, but it's got an old Komaradsky dial that's got a sweet like Mig pointing up at the center with a rainbow, but the rainbow is in the Russian flag colors with a star at the top. <laughs> Super communist of me, but I love it. <laughs> so and that in combination with your Zorkies is like a perfect combo.
2: Yeah, here, exactly. Here goes beer, uh, beer number one.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the the really cool thing about, uh, Mike, some of these, these old... Um, Russian, uh, watches was that, you know, during, during the cold war, the, the same way that kind of, uh, the, the Russians copied, uh, a lot of like Zeiss, uh, designs and, and, you know, Leica uh, copies as well. They did the same things with, um, with some of the, the German and, and, um, mainly German, uh, movements and, you know, uh, watch
0: manufacturers actually like Vostok uh engineered a lot of their own stuff I was very surprised to learn that but they bought out some old equipment and some of the stuff that they did they did on their own which was surprising to me because like you look at some of the Zorkies, which are just like a straight up copy of early Leicas um but they did a lot there's actually a very good Um, right up on the lady who designed some of the features for uh, Vostok Amphibia um, to make it a watch that was easy to produce but still super durable and go like they rated it at 200 meters but I think there was a guy who took it down like I think it was 800 meters or something like that and it still worked it didn't fail which is Hmm. incredible you know
1: to make sure I keep you guys on a film photography uh, pace here uh, I haven't looked into this, but I know like a lot of uh a lot of like i think after world war two uh a lot of Russia took over a lot of the German factories and stuff like that yeah. and uh, how did Leica fare during that how what how did they what was their story uh, about that did they kind of escape all that sort of or does you might know
0: no i i know that um Russia was already copying some of the Leica stuff, mm-hmm. and they got rights to be able to use some of the things that the Germans were using for Leica. The biggest thing was actually Contax and Zeiss. Oh yeah, a classic they, camera. Milo was talking about that. In the yeah. Last yeah. Okay. So like, they basically got the rights to be able to produce Contax cameras. So that's why Contax stopped making those cool funky rangefinders, and then Kiev took it over, and mm-hmm. they basically kind of. The first ones were pretty good, and then they started cheapening them up as the Soviet Union started to collapse. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) And so um, they're still cool cameras, but they got a lot of rights and a lot of uh, design technology to make good glass. So Mm -hmm. a lot of like Russian old lenses are very well thought of. Like the old Helios and some of the Indistar lenses are like very sought after and kind of pricey, honestly, Mm -hmm. um, because they're good. Wasn't it
1: some? I think I heard. Maybe it was on Classic Camera Valve. It was one of these, I don't know. Uh, somebody was talking about, I think it is, like, is it the old Kievs that were technically pretty much Zeiss-type or Contax-type stuff or something? Or, yeah. Or, yeah, yeah, it's
0: the old Kievs, because they made the Kiev, like, 35-millimeter rangefinder. It was, like, Kiev. It was basically, like, a Contax copy, 100%. Okay. And then they also made their uh, medium formats, which were... Um, one was kind of like a Hasselblad copy, but then the other one was a, um, a Pentacon copy, which was also w- within the context slash Zeiss branding from what I understand. Mm-hmm. Um, so their Kiev 6C or whatever it's called or 66, I don't remember, um, which is a medium format uh, 6x6 SLR that Pentacon made um, is their exact copy of that. So uh. that's – I don't know. Did you ever listen to the episode um, on the FPP where they had that older gentleman? I forget his name. Oh, yeah, yeah. There was, like,
1: there, there was like two episodes of it, yeah, or maybe three. Yeah, or they split, yeah, yeah, they split yeah. it up.
0: Yeah, it was two or mm-hmm. three. Um, they split it up, and he, that's where he was talking about the Kiev factory that they redo them today with Airx copies mm. mm-hmm. um, where they fixed some of the problems. And he was laughing about like – how the at the end of the soviet union the workers were like pretty lax they're like yeah we make parts for like a few days and then we drink beer for the rest of the month until like <laughs> two days before production's due and then we throw it all together and it's uh, like so that's why they're not real great is because they didn't like take good care in assembly and also in finishing of the parts that were produced Hmm. And we're um, to adopt this strategy. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm guessing you'd have a much bigger gut. Uh, just saying, <laughs> It's possible.
1: <laughs> uh,
0: but uh. Um, yeah, no. So I mean, th- the Russians were pretty ingenuitive, and they were actually ones who um, a lot of the they were engineers in cutting jewels, like the bearings for the jewels in watches because mm. um, cool. they had they had been doing that back for forever like that whole amber room that was some of the reason they did that is because they were all jewel cutters and they wanted to make a room that was basically like all jewels <laughs> oh, wow yeah uh, well but by the way uh my watch is uh
1: my wife's old fitbit and uh so yeah <laughs> that's what i'm wearing today and uh it says my heart rate is at 86 right now <laughs> and uh i have taken um well, I've only taken 18 steps because it just reset at midnight. So, uh, but, oh,
0: yeah. okay. <laughs> well, uh, I'm wearing garlic and holding a cross. So, <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, you know, I, I bought my wife an Apple Watch for, um, for christmas and uh so uh, my my prize was i, I get her own <laughs> so, like i got i maybe got the bad end of that deal i don't know but that's, uh, <laughs> that's how
0: husbands roll man that's right you know happy wife
1: happy happy life yeah, i guess yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> nick we've already gotten a little a little taste for for how you feel about you know uh digital and in smart watches but uh. you know, as as many film <laughs> shooters some are more kind of uh vocally against Digital uh, photography. How do you feel as a, as a mechanical watch enthusiast and somebody that actually likes taking them apart and appreciates the movements and uh, repairs mechanical film cameras? What do you feel about uh, about digital and or um, smart watches? And
1: here goes beer number two.
0: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so. So like we were talking about, I don't mind digital cameras. I don't I have a computer. I currently have a phone in my hand, um, which I try to use limitedly because I don't think it's the best to be glued to your phone. But uh, that's why I hate smartwatches is because everyone I know talks about it like in a way that that's how they stay extra connected to their phones without having to pull their phones out as much. And so they are typically like if you go out to eat with them or something, they're typically like glued to their their watch and glued to their phone at the same time. Like they'll get something on their watch while you're talking to them and then they pull their phone out and then they (laughs) get something on their watch and they pull their phone out. I'm like, oh, come on, for the love of God, just like (laughs) stop. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, that's mostly why I hate it. I know some people actually use it beneficially, like. Where you were mentioning, it's watching your pulse, and then it's keeping track. It's a good motivator for some people to like get exercise. Like, oh look, I walked five thousand steps today, or something. I did incredibly. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I don't, I don't think that's a bad motivator if it's, if it's used appropriately, like with anything else. But yeah. I guess us as Americans are um, very good at uh, <laughs> going in excess, consuming in excess. <laughs> And No, not Americans, no. And so I find that for the most part, they're just used very poorly, and I hate that so much. American excess? I mean, I, I mean I did, I, just because I got a half-pound
1: uh, roast beef sandwich at Arby's does not mean... <laughs>
0: <laughs> what did Bramtown say about it, man? That's all I got to say. <laughs>
3: well,
1: let's just say I'm really I'm really wishing I had that bidet that uh, Andre has in there. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
2: only at the studio man i miss Excellent. it when i'm home
0: <laughs> oh, should God.
2: probably buy the same one
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yes. anywho uh, that's my <laughs> philosophical leanings and plus mechanical washes are just so damn cool and you don't have to put batteries in them so they're better for the environment that's my thing there right? you go there we go it can be uh for all intents and purposes CLAID. <laughs> yeah I could wear my great-grandfather's watch if I wanted to, I guess, oh, if yeah. I had it. If I had it, I don't. But Yeah. I don't
2: have any, like, family heirloom cameras or watches, but, yes. you know, that's that's kind of how I, I feel about, you know, the the camera and watch gear that I have currently is that I really appreciate the fact that both can be handed down for generations to come. And with a good, you know, amount of, of TLC that they can both work for, you know, Never.
1: decades. Yeah. 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 I will say uh, this. I have a sad story about family heirloom watches. Uh, my grandfather was a huge watch collector, and uh, uh, he died probably ten years ago or so. And uh, but had collected watches his entire life, all like I'm sure mostly mechanical watches and yeah. stuff like that. And uh, at one time when I was a kid, I was probably. I was old enough to remember this. So I was probably 7, 8 years old, something like that. He took me, uh, he said, "Mike, come here." And we went to his uh, their bedroom and he put out this huge trunk under the bed, full of watches. Just stacked with oh watches. And he said, "Mike, uh, cuz I I was the uh, uh he had three daughters and then I was the first grandson to be born, so I was like the only he never had a son, so he kind of like I was kind of like his he kind yeah. of looked at me as like his first son sort of and yeah. uh Uh, he said one of these days, uh, these will all be yours. And, uh, so, and I remember that to like, to this day. And, uh, but then he, uh, he remarried later, later in life. And, uh, when he, uh, died, we found out that his will was basically written to where his new wife got everything. And I think he had the hope that she would divvy some of this stuff up or that, uh, to, uh, his family. And, um, she, uh, uh, we we've never heard from her since. So uh, yeah, yeah. I didn't, oh, and I, 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 I think about that trunk of watches all the time. And not from a, a personal standpoint of like wanting to like sell them and make big money, but just to, had to have had that to pass down to my sons and stuff like yeah. that. Would have been yeah, a really cool thing. So, but yeah, you know, it, yeah. it happens. You know, uh, yeah. watch out if you uh, if you remarry late in life, folks. Watch watch out. Watch out. Yeah, <laughs>
0: God. No pun intended. You just marry in life. <laughs> Whatever. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Right. (laughs) So, cool. Uh, Anything else, Andre, you have?
2: Uh, Yeah, so I didn't get to to my own uh, wrist check, but I'm wearing my very, very beloved Seiko Alpinist, Mm. uh, the watch that kind of breaks so many of my uh, (laughs) rules. uh, Green dial, which is a little bit more kind of eccentric than my rather sober conservative watch taste permits uh, gold uh, well not actually gold but gold colored uh, hour markers and and hands uh, which I kind of hate yellow gold uh, but it's just a watch that I just absolutely love and I wanted to talk a little bit about Seiko in general because mm. I am of the firm belief that in the watch world Seiko is 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 kind of the Pentax of, oh, yeah. of yeah. the <laughs> to, watch glory
1: hallelujah <laughs> you're trying to sucker me into letting you all
2: keep talking about watches That's what <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I want to include you as well Mike
0: <laughs> no, see, see Mike they're the everyday every man's watch they yes, are I mean I can wear my Seiko at work and not worry that I'm going to kill it and i do
2: yeah they're durable durable things they're what a lot of watch people kind of first get into when they star like a, a seiko skx diver is is basically the the k1000 of the watch world
1: yeah <laughs> he has a point mike uh, okay. Well, in the eighties, in the in eighties, the I used to wear Swatch watches. Sometimes two. Yeah. Oh gosh.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: that's what we did. You know, you had to be cool. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, had to pick that's up what the I, ladies. I, that's, that's what I was. A real cool guy. Real cool. Real cool guy. Uh, but. Uh, <laughs>
2: That being said, the the modern like swatch system fifty one watches, it's really, really interesting. Like it was an incredible technological feat uh, for them to be able to to make a, a mechanical watch with a ninety hour power reserve which is fifty one uh, parts, but It's almost kind of this, like, antithetical thing where it's completely made by uh, robots, so no human hands, and it's not serviceable. Like, you can't open the watch up. Mm. So I I bought one kind of on a whim at the airport in Germany, but now it's like, ah, I feel conflicted because although it was a technological marvel, it's also like, well, this thing is kind of going against a lot of what I love about mechanical Uh,
1: watches. So it's like buying a Fujifilm digital camera. (laughs)
2: <laughs> uh in some ways in some ways
1: uh <laughs> oh, no nice right. well uh the only thing i can uh i i can see if i can get this back on the right on the right tracks here uh uh nick uh, a p s revival what do you think about it <laughs>
0: <laughs> yay I think that uh, it's going to explode soon, and then people are going to wish that they had more cameras to shoot APS with. Really? <laughs> well, I might be able but, to help them out. Might be able but, to help them out with that in a few days. <laughs> but I will say that Seiko is definitely <laughs> my favorite. I love, I love my Vosok. I love. I have quite a few. I have three or four of them. Four of them, and uh, but I just love Seikos. They're just cool and they're fun to mod, they're fun to easy to work on. They last forever. And you buy the ones that look like they came out of somebody's brown town uh from Asia <laughs> that are like rebuilt and you're like how is that still running? Why what did they do? <laughs> and uh so it always it always amazes me. And um I know a lot of people hate the direction that they've taken recently, but Oh, well. I, mean, I, still like, I still like them. So and the I
2: find super interesting about Seiko as as a company is that, like, uh, I mean, they, they are a large Japanese conglomerate. I mean, they own uh, Epson, for yeah. example, so yeah. the scanners that a lot of, of us use are made broadly by Seiko, which is pretty interesting. But in terms of, of their actual, like, watch division, they literally make... Everything from from fifty dollar, um, you know, uh, Seiko fives, all the way up to forty thousand dollar plus uh, Grand Seikos, yeah. and they've they've been able to kind of master like every single type of, of movement, from you know simple mechanical to you know high beat, high complicated mechanical watches, uh, automatics. Um, Quartz, uh solar powered quartz, kinetic powered quartz, spring drive, like they're just really, really like, you know, kind of amazing in what like they for every there's a Seiko for every one and for everything, basically. Well
1: speaking of uh watches that come from Browntown. Uh, <laughs> I just—it's uh, <laughs> made me think. Uh, you guys have seen Pulp Fiction, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah. Well, I thought that? you were going to go there.
1: Any, any—you any, guys are watch nerds. What, what was the watch that Christopher Walken complained he he had this uncomfortable hunk of metal up his ass uh, for however many years or whatever, like oh, uh, in that movie? Do you, do you oh, any, any idea what that watch was?
0: I really don't know. I'm so bad at
2: like knowing what watches were in certain movies. Like, I don't particularly <laughs> care. Like, one kind of common thing that you see sort of in the watch like social media stuff is like, you know, like, oh, what watch was insert celebrity uh, here wearing? Like, that's probably going on right now with the Oscars and stuff like that. And I don't particularly care what uh, what celebrities are are wearing. I I more kind of in, enjoy. What I enjoy. There are some watches that I I like and that I follow, and a lot that I don't.
0: Yeah, I don't. I I guess I'm kind of in the same. I don't really care what people wear, but um, no, I remember that specifically. Christopher Walken is one of my favorites. Now you, have oh yeah, three. I'm gonna have to Google that after we. Get done.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was he was great. Christopher Walken's great and everything, man. I could just said I've always said like. If, you know, we have, we a lot of times our friends uh, at at a bar or something, we'll have this this conversation of what what actor would you like to go out and hang out at a bar with all night? and oh, I think okay. Christopher Walken would be high on the list just to listen to the way he talks. So, uh,
2: <laughs> <Easy>. <laughs> see if it gets more exaggerated as he drinks. Right, right. <laughs> man,
1: I so, hope yeah. that
0: watch had a screw down crown. Oh gosh. <laughs> <laughs> the poor man who had to service it. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, uh, yeah <laughs> no well i mean bring it back to cameras i know seco used to make some uh shutters for cameras actually i know the veronica et rsi or whatever mm-hmm. I oh that's E T R S whatever that camera had a seco shutter in a lot of the models of it oh wow i didn't know that yeah oh no
1: Andre's going to be looking at like bronicas now or something like that. So <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: no, no, I've heard,
2: I've heard that I've actually never used one in all honesty, but I've heard that bronicas are not the most, uh, reliable, uh, medium format cameras.
0: Yeah. yeah I've heard the same thing. Mm. Uh, I know that the material used for the shutter stop is not the best, like the foam inside you have to often replace and then they're fine. Uh, but that can be a pain. And
1: yeah, I think people- it's uh, Graham, and a- Graham and Aid from Sony 16. They both love their Bronicas, right? But they they always talk about like there is like this certain process. If you don't do this lever and do this first or whatever, you mess up a shot. Or like, it sounds like it's a very convoluted uh, system to work. so I don't know what, what they're exactly they're talking about because I never had one in my hands. But uh, they yep. seem to act like the, if they miss this step, the camera just won't shoot. Or so I don't know what, they're, what exactly they're talking about. But uh, yeah. But they seem to love them. So, you know. Yeah. I know.
0: Yeah. I know. I know that. Yeah. They are a little more. I don't. I guess I've not used one like they have before.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh So I don't know. It may be like I have a zero, an old TLR. It's a zero flex. So if I don't advance it, I could shoot like 50 exposures without. <laughs> <laughs> not doing anything. There's no safety on it. So you have to like make sure you do things in order. Mm. Um, which is the same of some of my other cameras too, I guess, but just yeah. cool. Yeah. Uh,
1: all right. So, uh, anything else we are, we about ready to wrap this one
2: up. I've got one last question. <laughs> oh, right. Okay. And I
1: don't have, I don't have any more beers in front of me to open. So you,
2: <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> so you already talked a little bit about your dream, uh, camera or your grail camera. Uh, Nick, what's your, what's your
0: grail watch? My grail watch. mm. Goodness. I haven't ever really thought of that. I have one that I really, really like that I bought at a pawn shop or not a pawn shop, like a thrift store a long time ago, which is an old Northfield watch, which was American made, actually. Oh, see, now
1: Uh, you get me into an American made watch. I might might be able to join you guys. But it's
0: (laughs) it's a pretty cool. It's like a small diver that's 36 millimeters. um, That's from like the early late 50s, early 60s. And I love that. And with that, it made me fall in love with some of the old, um, uh, what do you call them? Jacques Cousteau. Loved them. Oh, man, I can't think of the name of the watch now. I just Doxa. had a brain fart. Yeah, Doxa. I wanted the an old, the orange dials? Yeah, well, the one with the silver dial right. that he had. I love that. I thought that was a cool watch. But I definitely wouldn't pay that much money for a watch. So I probably will never own one. <laughs> <laughs> I I mean like uh, I generally buy cheap watches that are uh, just functional and I like like Seiko's. I mean I do have a Seiko Turtle which was uh, like three hundred bucks. I want to say, which is probably about the upper range of what I'd pay for a watch. Right.
1: Just we didn't uh, we didn't actually throughout this whole conversation on this entire episode. Never really heard what you shoot with mostly, Nick. What's your main camera?
0: Oh, my main camera. Yeah. So, cameras, I have a few. Um, the ones that I use the most. Uh, see, how tri-
1: see how I got that off the watch. Too.
0: <laughs> well done, Mike. Well done. <laughs> I mean, yeah. So, that's my watchness. But um, I actually like cameras more than watches. Don't tell anybody. Mm. Uh, but I have probably my favorite camera I own is my Zorky uh, 3 which has a slow speed dial on the front. So it can shoot down to one second. Um, that one's one that you have to be careful with for sure, uh, because if you don't th- do things in the right order, you can break the slow speed dial and then just screw the whole camera up. Mm. Uh, but it has the best viewfinder of any rangefinder I've ever used, including Leica's. It's, got, it's an old like screw mount style, but it's got a combined uh, viewfinder range finder and it's got a good like uh, adjustment on it. I forget what it's called. Is it a diopter is the adjustment for um, like if you wear glasses or yeah. if your outside's not the best. Yeah. So it's got one of those in it and it just, it doesn't have the bottom load film. It's got a back that you take off so you can change the film easily. So I really love that one. I use that one quite a bit. That's 35 um, millimeter, I assume, right? 35 yeah. millimeter, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I have a Siroflex model, I want to say it's a D, or no, that one's a model C, um, which is like a 3.5 lens. It's a TLR from, it's what, um, it's very similar to like old Roloflexes from the mm-hmm. era. They're quite old. They're American made as well. hmm uh, which is cool cuz there's not many like nice american made cameras.
1: Oh, what about the the Kodak Reflex 2? I mean that's oh, yeah. I well, That's, that's <laughs> the
0: camera. there's just not a whole lot of them compared yeah. to like other other camera countries, I guess. And um it's pretty old, it was made in like the 40s and it's got a, like a in Stock lens which was made in the US and um it's got a Rapax shutter which was really cool to take apart and put back together and just it was it's a cool camera and i really enjoy using it and it shoots really well and so that one's a good medium format it's good for portraiture and stuff um and then i have a sears ks2 like you mike Yeah, i love love that camera it's fun isn't it it's It's, really a fun camera it's just so much fun and like when you're out doing stuff and you don't want to have to worry about uh, metering or anything, you just put in an automatic and yep. pop away. And you know, oh, okay, there's a lot of backlight, so let's overexpose this so that the people you can see them. Man, uh, yeah, <laughs> and it's got a nice uh, like two stop either direction plus or minus uh rate on it so i love that camera a lot um, another thing
1: i like about that camera is is there's no name on the front of it it just says ks2 yeah. on the front like the yeah. the, the, the Pentaprism prism has no name brand on it, it says sears on the back yeah and so it looks like you're walking around with this ultra generic camera but uh it's basically just a Ricoh. but but yeah it's a pentax mount so that's a, kevin dylan gave me that. thank you again kevin i've had a lot of fun with that camera but uh yeah that's a that's a really cool fun camera for sure yeah
0: that one's yeah just been one of my favorite just awesome cameras to take out that takes quality pictures that mm-hmm. you don't have to think too much about if you're out like doing something or out and you're just kind of in a hurry or something you can take yeah, that easily my, uh, my
1: fog pictures were taken with that camera and it, it oh, yeah. Uh, yeah yeah and, uh, so i've got no complaints man it, it metered everything just I, I did overexpose because i wanted the fog to really uh yeah. not, i don't want it not to be fooled by the bright fog so yeah but uh but yeah it uh it, it performed, uh, performed perfectly so uh good stuff all right, yeah. anything else?
0: And uh, do you one? have
2: a large format camera?
0: I don't. I, that's why I really have been leaning towards wanting to get a 4x5. I may have to do that camera dactyl thing, whatever you talked about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I believe it's the camera dactyl OG. OG. Yeah. That sounds incredible. <laughs> yeah, and, it's uh, the it's, it's, it's original Gutterman. Uh, yeah. I mean,. <laughs> yeah. It's <laughs> it's just been like photography is great. Like it's been such a good uh just therapy and healer, like a lot of people talk about. Like it's just a good way to to help think about what's going on in your life and to take the time to like capture the beauty that's going on around you mm. and to and to also like think about those people that are in your life that are important, be like, I want pictures of them. I don't right. want to forget these times, like this 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 is my life. My life is not in my phone. My life is not like in what I have around me. My life is is what I'm building up and the memories that I'm making with these people around me. And that's one thing that's very big to me in my life is is the people that I I have in my life and I surround myself with. And so that's one way I think with photography is that it's just it's a good healer, but it's also just something that brightens people's lives all around you.
1: Oh yeah, I agree. And, I agree. and is
0: very important. So, uh,
1: I guess that's. It's, it's funny we uh, we were just having a, our usual family argument uh, <laughs> uh, around the uh, around the television today about where we were going to eat, and somehow Arby's came out as the winner. I'm not sure how that happened, but uh, <laughs> but but so the, the my two sons were laying on the floor with a sort of exasperated look on their face. So I I, I picked up the um, Nikon Pronia APS SLR (laughs) and uh, (laughs) and took a couple of indoor... Popped up the stupid built-in flash and took a couple indoor pictures of them laying on the floor next to each other with these exasperated uh, arguing about where we're going to go eat uh, uh, faces. And my youngest son, he's really getting tired of me taking photos. And and, uh, and so I, I was like, they were, "Why are you taking a photo of us arguing about where we're going to eat?" I was like, "Because we do this every weekend. I want to remember this this these fine family moments." Uh, <laughs> because, but honestly, like it is like little things like that, day. man. You, you might overlook something like that, but I mean, that is kind of a part of our, or it seems to be a, 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 sadly a weekend tradition now. Us arguing about where we're going to go eat. And, uh, <laughs> and, um, so, but it's sometimes it's those stupid mundane photos. I don't know. I just happened to be standing there next to the camera. It's like, you know, why not just grab the camera and take a couple of shots. And, and, yeah. uh, because you never know, like little stupid moments like that 20 years from now, I might forget about the fact that we argued every weekend about, uh, what sort of awful American fast food we were going to eat that weekend. But, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. but yeah so uh i got a little document of that now so <laughs> yeah
0: exactly and like one of the one of the things where i talked about i'd lost a lot of my photography and a lot pretty much all my negatives and most prints um mm. i'd found a couple uh negatives just stuffed in a weird place in something i had that was unexpected so it was some stuff that i thought was gone forever oh, and wow. and so one of them was a picture And it means more to me than anything. And I was like, I thought this was gone forever. And Mm. it's just like, it's helped me through a lot of very hard times the past couple years. And I was just like, holy cow. Like, How how lucky am I that just this happened to survive. But how lucky am I that I remembered to capture this moment in time because I treasured it. And so... Yeah,
1: I mean, it's always the thing everybody says. Well, you know, and it's it's weird because people coming up nowadays may not say this because they don't have them. But always, you know, throughout your life, like, what you know, what's what's the one thing you'd save if your house is on fire? And always the answer was my my photo albums. But now yeah. a lot of people don't have yeah. those now. Yeah, and I do agree, man. I, I cherish my photo albums more than anything that I, that I have. Like that's the one thing. Uh, that I would I would grab I would I would grab those even before my guitars and and my Leica so uh,
3: yeah, <laughs> but, yeah
1: but yeah it's just uh, the, I cherish those photo albums so much and um, that's one uh, reason I want to get back to like getting more prints of these uh, shots I've been taking because yeah uh, there is something about it man like uh, there is for uh, sure the way it can way it can take you back to good memories and uh, the way it just preserves those things like and the weird thing is I, I've made this point on the show before like like uh, like I can look back at just stupid artsy fartsy photos i've taken uh, throughout the years like a picture of a stupid building or something but the weird thing is like this this picture of this building shouldn't conjure a memory but i'll, I'll i will immediately kind of remember my state of mind when i took that yeah. photo it's yeah. it's so weird how i can take you back even to the shooting experience remembering where you were where, where you were what you did that day you know and uh where your state of mind was at that time and uh, it's 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 amazing how i can kind of uh uh bring back memories that are lost in your brain that you didn't know were still up there so yeah
0: yeah, so, yeah. very cool I know from I know for me too like especially shooting with film like I don't I don't get the same reaction when I have digital prints that I've done mm-hmm. for some reason I don't know my brain just doesn't work the same way but like I, I agree I agree when yeah. I'm taking especially black and white black and white seems to like work differently in my mind where mm-hmm. I'll take a picture and I'll try to visualize it while I'm taking it and i'll explain or i'll talk to people i'm with and i can remember those moments like you said you remember how you were feeling you'll i'll remember like the people that were around and what we were doing and how Mm -hmm. great of a day it was or whatever was happening even if it wasn't a great day i'll remember that too it's just like
1: oh okay wow it is amazing yeah um so yeah cool stuff all right uh I think we should get about ready to wrap this up. This is gonna be a long episode, but that's okay. It's okay. Every once in a while, we gotta. <laughs> but uh, all right, so Andre, you got anything else to say? Any uh, comments about uh, what this last part of the conversation here?
2: I just, you know, it, it's making me feel uh, not necessarily homesick for Miami per se, because like I haven't ever sort of, you know, felt that that city in particular was home. But like, it's making me feel, you know, like missing my my family and all the. The opportunities yeah. that that I had to to take more pictures of them just doing mundane stuff about uh, around the apartment, which I'm doing a little bit of, of that right now with the, you know, my my coworkers and friends uh, around the the studio. Yeah. Uh, but it, it's it's different, you know, with with family, like just taking pictures of like my dad petting my dog on the couch, watching the news. Like, mm-hmm. I, I miss that stuff.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's like I said, man. It's a, uh, uh, it's sometimes like these mundane photos can mean so much more uh, later uh, than you think they that they do. And uh, um, I, I remember telling a story of you know uh, my wife remembering her mom. Uh, my wife's really big into sewing, man, and it came from her mom teaching her how to sew. Her mom sewed all the time, and so like she remembers has all these memories of her mom sitting at the sewing machine. But no one ever thought to, to you know grab a camera. And take a shot yeah. of her sitting at that sewing machine. And it was like a daily occurrence in that house. And I guess because it was so daily occurrence, they just didn't think anything it wasn't a, a special moment. Of course, like back then a lot of people, the only time they pulled out cameras was Christmas and vacations and stuff, I guess. But but I've I've wanted to make a point to, to take those shots, you know, because uh, that's, that's what your life really is. Your life isn't these special vacation moments and just Christmas, uh, Christmas unwrapping presents. Like there's so much more to your life that is more, uh, you know, uh, more actually, uh, the, the actual essence of your life than these, that what most people would pull out cameras for, you know? So, uh, yeah. I think it's important to take those shots. It might seem mundane because they could, like my wife would love to have a photo of her mom sitting at the sewing machine, you know? And, uh, uh, but yeah, that's uh, that doesn't, she doesn't have that shot. So, um, but yeah, so you never know, never know what's going to mean something down the, down the road. So, uh, all right. Wow. We really, uh, really got deep there, didn't we? Real deep. <laughs> 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 okay. So let's go ahead and, uh, let's go ahead and wrap this one up. Uh, Nick, man, this has been a real blast. Thank you so much for coming on the show, man. It's been a real pleasure to have you.
0: Yeah. Well, thanks for having me. I, this was fun. I had a lot of fun. Awesome. Awesome.
1: Uh, nick, uh, why don't you tell people where to check out your work or maybe even how to get a hold of you if they want to talk to you about getting a camera repaired, possibly. I don't know if you want to open up yeah. that line. of
0: <laughs> Yeah. Well, I mean, I might be able to. I might not be able to, but um, you can find me on Instagram. My Instagram is uh, nick, N-I-C-K underscore E underscore bull, B-U-L-L. Um, and then if you want to email me, It's nickericbull at gmail.com. Um, but or you can contact me on Instagram too. I use that a fair amount, and that's mostly where I've posted my work, uh, for the most part. And sometimes, oh, sin, there might be digital photos. Uh, occasionally, that's all right. right. Haters, (laughs) probably, probably one out of two, (laughs) maybe one out of 25, but um, (laughs) that, and sometimes I post some awkward, uh, just random pictures, but uh, yeah, no, that's basically where you can find me on the internet. I'm not really uh big on social media stuff that mm-hmm. all that much, so
1: and you're 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 uh you're pretty active on the on the negative positives face uh, uh Facebook group, yeah, so yeah. Right there, you know,
3: yeah, yeah.
0: I've <laughs> had a lot of fun talking with like Pete and Dustin and you guys, it's just been fun. Oh, yeah. I really enjoy that, and
1: yeah. It's a. It's actually. Uh, it's a caused me to be on my phone way more than I than I probably should because I've had a blast with the Facebook group. It's really good. <laughs> <laughs> it's really been it's the kind <laughs> of social
2: media interaction that, like, I actually find very positive. Like, yeah, you know, yeah, we'd all like to be on our phones less, but when I'm interacting with people on the Facebook group, it's just like, but this is okay, you
0: know? Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Well, and we it's just, uh, Yeah, and uh, and and we must announce we just. Uh, just finally topped over 3000 members on there so Jeez. that's uh yeah it's
0: unbelievable <laughs> 3000 members <laughs> 3000 <000? laughs> You guys have grown insanely quick because like like last summer when I joined, I think you had like a thousand. Well under a right. thousand.
1: I don't even think you hit a thousand yet. Right, right, It's 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 really picking up steam. So uh um, that's crazy. Uh it's kind of it's kind of getting hard to keep up with, but I like it because it's active. Like uh I made a point. I was act- asking a question about some oh my god, Nikon lenses, where they get their naming schemes. It's just oh gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Can we just go with Pentax K? <laughs> like,
0: yes. But
1: uh but so I was asking some questions about that and like I posted it at work and like I mean it wasn't two or three minutes later I had two or three responses and like it, the there's people constant you know the activity is 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 awesome and like you to get an answer to a question in that amount of time was just unbelievable you know and uh so it's a it's it's been a, a real blast it's been a real surprise truthfully I never thought that thing was going to get off the ground <laughs> so yeah. so yeah it's cool stuff but uh okay Andre uh where can people find your work
2: people can find my watch and film photography. Uh, pictures (laughs) on Instagram at Andre on Film.
1: Awesome. Uh, You can see my work on Instagram at Gutterman Photo, on Facebook at Mike Gutterman Photography. You can join the Facebook group for this program, the Negative Positives Film Photography Podcast Facebook group. You can email this program at negpositives at gmail.com and you can also follow this program on the Instagram account Negative Positives, mostly ran by Mr. Bryce Randall. If you uh, post photos to Instagram, think about the hashtag negative positives and Bryce will hopefully uh, one day find one of your photos and highlight it on the negative positives Instagram account. Okay. I think that's the end of this show. And uh, once again, thanks to Nick for coming on and uh, being an awesome guest. And, uh, and uh, I was able to keep their watch talk down to you know somewhat, <laughs> somewhat limited, but <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but it's been a real, a real blast. Uh, okay, folks, uh, we will talk to you. I, I have the midweek episode, I believe, this week. So I'll see you for the midweek episode. that will come out Thursday morning. Uh, but until then, everybody have a great week. And uh, we'll, we'll talk to you soon. Everybody stay positive. And shoot some
0: cool film photos.
1: Perfect. All right, folks. Thank you all very much. We'll see you all later. Was it two,
0: 208? Is that right? God damn
1: it, Mike. Yeah, 208, 208. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, here we go. Hello, and welcome to the Negative Positives Podcast, episode number 208. I'm your... Shit. <laughs> 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 okay, here
0: we go. Andre? Did we lose him? Oh, um, Maybe he fell asleep on us. <laughs> <laughs> he might have,
1: well, Andre. It looks like I get to do a little editing here. So uh, yeah, yeah.
0: So, so an hour and thirty-one minutes.
1: <laughs> there you go. But it's it's it just shows him on the call.
0: Yeah, it does.
1: Andre Dominguez, you better not be asleep. Give him a
0: cellular phone call. I, think I will. <sighs>
1: Uh, <laughs> you know what if this goes if this goes properly, I might just leave this in the show <laughs>
0: <laughs> We hear it on the other end. Yes,
2: why does it not working <laughs>
1: I couldn't get to your call. <laughs> your name and number, and I'll get back to you as soon as I can. What in the hell is going on here?
2: Technical <laughs> difficulties, folks. <laughs>
1: Andre, are you there? Are you back? I am, yeah. You asshole. Where where were <laughs> you at?
2: Dude, I could hear you guys and my microphone wasn't on mute. Uh. A gutter man cave
3: production.